Hey everybody, this week's podcast is brought to you by DirecTV. Not many people know this, but when MMA was rising from the dead, DirecTV was one of the first providers to air both Pride FC and UFC. Cable-crushing deals starting at $29.99, huge discount if you visit thedreamingleapro.com and click the link. And if you aren't allergic to parties, sign up and start saving money today with DirecTV. Now with Dream Elite Podcast, starring Max, Adam, Brandon, and myself. Welcome to Dream Elite Radio. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Happy Thursday. We're back again. A lot of shit happened in the last two weeks, and we got a lot to talk about. My friends, my bros in different area codes, welcome to the show. Um, of course, our guests and uh, our hosts, actually. Uh, starting with uh, the guy from BKMMA who is undefeated, champion the Emmys. You all know Brandon. Also, also the father of the newly, newly graduated first grader. It's going to be Brandon, 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 Brandon. I got brides in Atlanta. <laughs> What's up, Brandon? Hey, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Very good. Brandon, congratulations. Your son in the first grade. They grew up so fast. How you feeling? Feeling good, man. Proud. Proud as to be. The time to Hell yeah, brother. way too quick. <laughs> you are the man, brother. Also, all right, so unfortunate news. The MMA genius. With a 50-foot penis, unfortunately, Max! Will not be here tonight. But what, I, what we did get was Brandon's older brother. Or older brother? Younger brother? But a brother. And he is one of the top guys, especially wrote a blog on our website, which had the biggest hits in our website's history. It could be John, 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 John. I got brides in the London. <laughs> John, welcome hey, to the show. Thank you for, thank you for having me, man. Um, and uh, thanks for the original uh, intro there. No, <laughs> I've, I've never heard that one. Is it just on our keyhole thing? Or? I'm going to have to. John's already busting my boss. I'm going to go to the hospital. Okay, and also, we have uh, Mr. Hollywood himself, who. I'm very proud of this guy because uh, not only is his ego as tall as the Empire State Building, but also now he made it Facebook official with a lovely lady, Jen. Well, he's a gentleman. It's got to be Hollywood. I don't know. We're coming for you. What's up, Adam? What up, bro? How you doing? <laughs> What's up, Adam? Late as <laughs> usual. <laughs> You know me, I'm I'm signature drunk right now, so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you're supposed to say that on air, but all right. <laughs> wait, wait. While you're insta, while, Adam, while you're insta hammered, can you say your Instagram? I know that's part of the uh, the steps of yeah. Let's, the show, let's put it out there. First of all, at Hulk Ogun, H U L K O L G U N. Um, since I'm drunk, I gotta say other ratchet shit like fuck Kevin Newman. But uh, let's move forward. Let's let's get this show popping, bro. Let's do this. <laughs> By the way, bro, what, what the fuck? 
Yo, what's up, Adam? I'm we I'm made it. I that you're here. It feels like the train station right now. Right? <laughs> Why the fuck are you at the train station? You're supposed to be home podcasting, what we usually do. You don't get it, man. Every time me and John are, are in the train station, some crazy shit happens. Like the other day, some old Jewish lady was like, I'll blow all you motherfuckers up. And then she was like, boom. And me and John were like, yo, I'll punch this bitch in the face. What's happening right now? <laughs> yeah, she was crazy, man. The whole time yeah. she was hugging a book bag. I'm in rare form, ladies and gentlemen, here tonight. Very, very happy. Oh, my God. Okay, Adam, that, Adam, was, that was great. Adam, <laughs> Adam, 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 Adam. On a scale of one of my least stars, how fucked up are you right now? Um, probably like a uh, like a seven or a six. Not Miley Cyrus just yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get to the subject. Brands on, of course, beat repping BK MMA. John, who is a grappling wizard and also a genius when it comes to MMA. Adam, you know how I went on. Everybody knows. But we have so much shit to talk about because the last two weeks have been absolutely nuts. I mean, the, it, it's it's like 2016. It's just the hits never come. I thought 2015 was crazy, but, like, 2016 is trying to outdo do, do itself. So, uh, we of course, we're coming off the uh, UFC 199 where uh, – uh, what, what did you guys think about – okay, so they announced Nate Diaz versus uh, uh, Conor McGregor, and then they announced Brock Lesnar is coming back. And then Michael Bisping pulls off the craziest upset on the planet. Brandon, first you. What did you think about that card? Um, shit, man. UFC, what was the last one? 199? That, that was just full of surprises, man. I mean, from Brock Lesnar to the... I mean, I think we all knew the, the Connor and Nate fight was going to happen eventually. But um, I was I was genuinely surprised about Brock Lesnar coming back. And I'm excited to see him come back as well. He's He's... He, he's always been someone I rooted for, even though a lot of people don't like him. He was a crossover from wrestling. But, listen, he put in the work, and he accomplished a lot in a short time, so I definitely got a lot of respect for Brock. And I'm, I'm definitely interested to see him fight Mark Hunt, who's coming into his own form lately. He has a re- rejuvenated career in the UFC, so that's going to be a fucking a phenomenal fight. Um, Michael Bisping, man. That, you know what? I, I was never a huge fan of Michael Bisping, but seeing him knock out Luke Rockhold, and, and you know, he, he beat Anderson Silva, which I, I wasn't happy about. But I'm like, you know what? He, he fucking deserves it. That guy's been in the UFC for years. He's put in work, and, and uh, it couldn't have happened to a, a, a nicer guy. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bisping as nice as terrorism is. So, John, what do you think about this? What do you think about Ooh. what just transpired? <laughs> Michael Bisping, um, hey, 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 listen. Michael Bisping, he knows he's an asshole, and that sells. So, Michael Bisping is a very remarkable product, and he's a very remarkable entity, and I'm glad he's champion. The bottom line is he's as likable as any heel in the WWE is, and he knows he's a brand, and he's bringing the title home, and he brought the title home to the UK. John, what do you think about the last card? Um, I thought the, the card in itself was a great card, unexpectedly really uh, like good from, from prelims to main event. Um. But, you know, the co-main event kind of dragged a little, you know, after the second round, after after favor got dropped, you know, kind of went all to cruise, you know, the competitive, competitiveness of the fight kind of fell. Um, yeah, I was really glad to see Bisping win, though. Um, he, uh, he had a 10-year career, has a 10-year career with the UFC, and to, to never get a title shot is, is crazy. And to get a title shot on 10 days' notice and then, for a fighter known for having pillow fists to just knock out Luke Rockhold after losing to him uh, about like a year or two ago is crazy. <laughs> it, was, it was an emotional moment for him and an emotional moment for me. 
was, uh, it was weird. It was a weird moment just to to become a fan of this thing in that moment to, to see him. Did you, did you cry? I wouldn't say I cried, but you know there was a, definitely a jumping, uh, screaming of a yes. You know, good for him. You know, or you know things that come along with watching this thing with. It was surprising, and hard work pays off. Adam, well, what do you think about the card? I know you'll have an honest assessment about it. And Brock coming back, I know you're excited to take shit because you're a WWE fan too. So what did you think about UFC 199? Honestly, that was like that was literally one of the best cards I've ever seen in my life. Um, even even the prelims, the pre-prelims on Fight Pass were fucking amazing. Um, I think it couldn't it couldn't have gone down in better fashion. Um, Personally, I like Luke Rockhold, but I also fucking I started to kind of disdain him for for saying he's better than Anderson Silva in his prime, and he was just talking so much shit. And it's like, yo, you haven't even defended your title yet. Like, arguably, Chris Weidman was winning that fight before he threw that dumb ass spin kick. And it's like, yo, you're you're just you're being fucking crazy right now. And to see him get knocked out by Michael Bisping was it was a little bit. I don't know. For me, it was fucking awesome. Um, to see Cruz win over Faber was awesome. It was just, it was a great card, and you know, I'm happy that I got to see it. Cool, cool. And, and I, again, I can't. We're gonna talk more in depth about Brock Lesnar coming back, especially because, you know, what's crazy about the whole scenario is he he said he wasn't even training. So like, he literally was sitting on his couch one day, called up Dana White, and said, "Hey, I'd like to come back to the UFC and fight against Mark Hunt, who kills people." And he's a K1 fighter. And Brock Lesnar doesn't like to get hit whatsoever. Like, you watch his fights with Overeem, you watch his fights with anybody. He does not like to get hit. So now they matched him up with Mark Hunt, and I don't know how WWE let this happen. I think their 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 lack of knowledge of the sport, and this this hurts hurts the marquee value of Brock Lesnar if he loses. Like. Is, is this a smart move, Brandon? Like, putting fucking... They're going they're goose Brock Lesnar against Mark Hunt? Th- yeah, because this could this could potentially be a one-and-done, so they might as well cash out, you know what I mean? So even it doesn't matter what his showing looks like, what his actual performance looks like, people are going to buy that pay-per-view. A lot of people, crossover fans from the WWE, are going to buy that pay-per-view to see Brock Lesnar's play, especially since he's in the WWE right now. He's scheduled to, to compete at SummerSlam. So, I mean, he's bringing in a lot of pay-per-view buys. Um, doesn't matter how he competes. I mean, if he if he wins, it's a it's a good situation because then they could do this down the line. Maybe um you know have him save a pay per view, a Demetrius Johnson pay per view or something like that later down the line. But it, it doesn't matter if he wins or loses because at the end of the day he's gonna he's gonna bring the the pay per view buys. Um, yeah, and, and about Brock Lesnar getting hit, you gotta you guys gotta understand something. I mean. I mean, I'm out there. I fight 135 pounders, and you know, I spar with 170 pounders. These, these motherfuckers hit hard. Brock Lesnar is in the cage with people who have cinder blocks attached to their hands. So I mean, I don't think it's a matter of not liking, you know, getting hit. But it's like these guys, these guys are throwing bombs, and, and you could see in the heavyweight division, it, it only takes one. I mean, in any division with those little ass gloves, it takes one. But in the heavyweight division, it takes one shot to put you down. So you can't really blame the guy for getting hit and kind of reacting a certain way. He he hasn't been doing this his whole life. Mark Hunt has been doing K1 since he came out the womb. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a different pedigree. But I, I think I watched a few of his fights. I think he, he handles it well. Not well, but you know what I mean? For for his experience fighting, he he reacts the way a, a man getting hit by a 200-plus pound man should react to getting hit. You know what I mean? True. Absolutely. John, big top scary guy, intimidating guy. John, you're you're – you could be claimed as a heavyweight. Like, what do you think about this, these two fighting? And who's your pick? Like, who's your honest assessment on this fight? Like, is it just pretty much a 
you know, a freak show match, like how, like, Ernesto Hoos versus Bob Sapp or Bob Sapp versus anybody, or, like, when, when Brock Lesnar first came in and fought uh, Frank Muir for the first time, it's kind of like an experiment. Do you think this is just, like, a, kind of like a freak so show Bob, contest? Bob Sapp, actually, Bob Sapp actually beat Ernesto Hoos one time, so I wouldn't even classify that as a yeah. freak show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> very true. Definitely legit. That's a good that's point. <laughs> that's a very um, good point. I'm John, what do you think? Place, though, um, honestly, I don't like it. I don't want to see either one of them lose. Mark Hunt is on a, a streak right now, and I would love to see him get another crack at the title. Um, Brock Lesnar, he, he's coming off of two losses. I would not want to see him end his career on the third loss. Kind of like, I, I don't know who to pick. I mean, I, I want Brock to look good, but I also want Mark Hunt to continue his streak. So I, I can't really pick right now. But, I mean, is, is anyone else a little upset Frank Mir wasn't available for this fight? You know, I would have I loved think, to see I that. Think, um, is that Frank Mir? He, he got popped for yeah, something. Yeah, I think yeah. He, he, he got, you know, he pissed hot. Um, I don't know if they disclosed what exactly happened. Well, he's but, claiming I mean, he's claiming that he's claiming that he has no. Well, every fighter will claim they have no recollection yeah. of I mean, taking with, anything. With the exception of like, with the exception of Gilbert Melendez, he he kind of owns up to it. But um, yeah, he's real. He kept the, he got the that's two yeah, yeah, yeah. man. They keep it real. Yeah, you got to you got to respect that. But I mean, I thought it would have been poetic, you know, like Brock Lesnar fought me at USB 100. They're they're both tied in their uh, trilogy. You know, if this is going to be truly his one-and-done last fight, you know, to end it against Frank Mir, you know, finally close that chapter would have been, you know, amazing to see. And I would have I had agree. Brock Lesnar winning that. I think that would right. have been, I think Adam, that would have been awesome as well, honestly. Adam, what do you, so what do you think, Adam? And, and again, I would have loved to see Frank Mir versus uh, Brock Lesnar too, but you don't exactly drink a, a, a can of Sprite and all of a sudden you're testing positive for steroids. And no disrespect to Frank Mir, he's a fucking legend. Obviously, you know, these athletes are working all the time. Like, you know, it happens, and it happens more often than not. So, like, of course, Mark Hunt, Brock Lesnar, what do you think, Adam? I mean, I think that it's it's obvious. I think Frank Mir is probably their first shot. But, um, you know, things happen, and they probably decided on Mark Hunt because of the, the fact that Frank Mir got pumped. Um, I think it's a tricky fight, but it's the kind of fight that we all want to watch, you know? It's like... We don't really know what's going to happen. Um, it can go either way. Mark Hunt can knock him out, or Brock Lesnar can take him down and fucking finish him. And it, it's exciting. You know, it, it kind of has that old MMA feel where it's like, you know, I think nowadays people are more well rounded and kind of skilled in, in all areas, whereas this is an old school fight. You know, Brock Lesnar's the wrestler, Mark Hunt is the fucking striker, and that's it. Yeah. But you can also stuff a really mean takedown, too. Mark Hunt is no slouch. I mean, and he fights the best of them, too. And he has pretty much, uh, Mark Hunt can take a punch. Like, if you watch any fight, like, watch his fight with uh, with uh, Vanderlei Silva back in Pride. Like, the guy can take a shot. So, I don't know, Brock Lesnar is only hoping this is taking him down and holding him there and, and pounding him out. And, of course, like, those well, little I mean, those little Brock, Brock, Lesnar, Brock, Lesnar got, Brock Lesnar got some some power in his punch, too, standing. I mean, I mean, Randy Gator towards the the end of his career was getting, you know, I, I want to say knocked out left and right, but he was getting dropped. His chin wasn't what it used to be. But, but I, I'm sure Brock Lesnar hit, has has power behind his punch. But then also, if you look, I was actually I was me and Max were talking. Were you looking at um, Mark Hunt's record on Serdo? Then this guy has literally only lost to like the best of the best. If you look at from the beginning of his fight, his MMA career towards the end now. Sean and Sean, okay, he's lost to the best of the best and Sean McCorkle. But, but if you look, he, he was going to the Wolves. He, he started his career, I believe, fighting Vanderlei Silva, who was, you know, ruling the, the middleweight division. Well, it's light heavyweight, but in fact, they call it middleweight. Um, 
And then he fought Crow Cop, and he won both of those fights. And then he's only lost to, like, you know, Fedor, and, you know, he lost to, I believe, Alistair Overeem. And, and, and everyone he has fought has been, like, a top five heavyweight. So this guy's been thrown to the wolves. And, and his UFC record is, is, is pretty good, too. I believe it's 7-3 and three or 8-3, and three, something of that nature. So this guy, this guy is no joke, and he's been fighting top competition since he's been competing. So it's definitely not an easy fight for Brock Lesnar, but the way I look at it is it's a winnable fight because if there's any flaw or anything that you could exploit in Mark Hunt's game, that is the ground game, and Mark Hunt, uh, and Brock Lesnar rather has the ability to take him down. I believe he has the ability to, t- to hold him there because, I mean, the way he held down Frank Mir, who was a phenomenal jiu-jitsu practitioner, and, and controlled him and did little things like held the wrist to, to held it behind his back, land punches. I mean, those you, those little pillow punches or those two inch off the ground punches that you're talking about, you gotta understand it's two inches off the ground. But those fucking cinder blocks on his on his on attached to his wrist, they're gonna do damage whether it's two inches, four inches, or half an inch. You know what I mean? So, Brock Lesnar, this is a very winnable fight for him. I actually, I like similar to my brother. I don't want to see any of them lose because I like Brock Lesnar. And I want to see him win and I want to see Mark Hunt, you know, go on another title run. But, but Brock, this is this is a fight that if I was a betting man, I would put my money on Brock Lesnar. Okay, so uh, before uh, Chris Pickle comes on, uh, I pick Mark Hunt. I think Mark Hunt's going to win it. I think he's going to win it by uh, devastating knockout. I think Brock Lesnar is going to be on his uh, Nikes the entire fight. I think he's going to get beaten out just like uh, he do with Glenn uh, Carwin, except uh, Mark Hunt has, has the tools to finish him. So my pick is Mark Hunt. Brandon, you pick Brock Lesnar. Uh, John, who do you pick before Chris Pickle comes on? Um, all right, my heart is for Brock Lesnar, but my head is saying Mark Hunt's going to knock him out. Okay, Adam. Adam's MMA, <laughs> MIA. Ladies and gentlemen, okay, so I want to bring on our special guest. Adam, you there? No, he's MMA. Let's, let's just say he's with me and move forward. Okay, that's it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm very happy to bring this guy on because he's a class act, great guy, great MMA fighter. He's a veteran of uh, both UFC, King of the Cage, pretty much any pro- promotion he's fought in. He's also fought one of my friends, uh, Drew Morris. A stand-up guy. I, I couldn't wait to get this guy on. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Tickle. Chris, thank you so much for coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. How you all doing? Doing good. Good, man. How you doing, brother? Oh, man. Man, hey, living life. You know how it is. Shit. <laughs> of course, of course, brother. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming. Of course. Thank oh, you so much, hey, uh, Chris. That. Thanks uh, for having me. What's up? Uh, no problem, Chris. Hey, hey, listen, uh, I've been watching your career for quite some time. Uh, watching on the season of The Ultimate Fighter with uh, Dominic Cruz and uh, Uriah Faber. Saw you fight in the finale. I uh, saw you fight, you know, so many good fighters and fight so many good fights and exciting fights. So I just want to sum it up because you've just been through it all in such a short span of time. Like, if you can sum up in a whole what your MMA experience has been like for, for our listeners and drop some knowledge, what has it been like? You know, you went through these promotions, went to the UFC, continue to go through the ranks. How's it been? Man, hey, sum it up. Fucking mm-hmm. big balls. Big balls is how you sum it up, man. No, <laughs> hey, for real, man. If you look at my fucking career, look who I fought, right? If, if you add up my shit, it's fucking ignorant. Who I fought and who yeah. I shouldn't have fought. But, like, the thing is, a lot of people don't know is I train myself. I own my own gym. I never had a big gym. I never had no big training partners. I never had no big fucking trainer who showed me shit. You know, I, I researched and and tried at the gym and, you know, it was trial and error. You know, like, my record 
I guarantee if I was at a big gym, American Top Team, Black Zillions, or any, you know what, just anybody with a fucking training partner instead of a heavy bag, my record would be yeah. impeccable. You know what I'm saying? I never had that shit. I was knocking out veterans. You know, you know, like when I got to UFC for the Ultimate Fighter, I didn't lose for three and a half years, and I, I fought back to back to back fucking UFC veterans, and I knocked out, right. you know, fucking out of five fights, I knocked out four of them. You know what I'm saying? Right. But you know, like, yeah. I mean, that was my dream. My dream was to go to UFC, and that's all I wanted to do in my career. And all I knew one way was was by beating tough opponents. I never got hand-fetted tomato cans, and I would never fight tomato cans ever in my career. You know, the, the lowest, I think the lowest opponent I ever fought in my career was Drew Moraes, but I knew who Drew was, and I watched his fights, and he was huge. You know, Drew was a long, lanky motherfucker. He was grimy, and it wasn't tough. Yeah. You know, Drew was, just, you know, out of Michigan. But, you know, like, I, I just wanted to make my dream come true, and I did it. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't have no help. I had no managers. I was my own manager, you know what I'm saying? I'm out here, right. you know, struggling, you know, beating motherfuckers' asses. You know, I was supposed to fight Abel Trujillo in uh, St. Louis, and the motherfucker wanted 7,000 hours to fight me four years ago. Seven grand? My record My record back then, I think it was, I don't know, it was five and three? He wanted seven grand because I was knocking his buddies out, you know what I'm saying? Look at now, yeah. he's in the UFC too, you know what I mean? But yeah. I'll tell you what, man, if, if you want to be a fighter, you you won't live it right and do it right. Fight the best. Take the best. I, I have no training partners. I never have. I just fought for a world title and came the cage. I don't give a shit. Fight yeah. who's and put in front of you and do what you do. You know what I'm saying? That's how it goes. Absolutely, man. Yeah, absolutely. And you fought like Chase Beebe and you fought my buddy Drew and you won by unanimous decision, mm-hmm. which was an incredible fight. I loved that fight. It was amazing. And you fought like uh, Steve Berger. You had a, like a, a pretty much a drag out fight, and you won by uh, won by TKO, I believe. Um, yeah, Brent, you have around. a question, Brent? Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, man. And uh, Brent, Brent undefeated from BK MMA. Uh, do you have a question for uh, Chris Tickle? Yeah. Hey, Chris. How you doing, brother? Hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. So, I mean, you, you touched upon about training partners and things of that nature. I mean, why haven't you you reached out to anyone to try to to try to get those you know, that, that type of training, get different training partners, get different faces, different looks, you know what I mean? Oh, no, no, man, it's, it's not about stopping. So, uh, I, you know, I own my own gym for eight years, and then uh, I, w- I went on a four-fight winning streak, and Mark Fiore hit me up, which is Matt Hughes' uh, manager and, train, you know, coach originally, uh, Springfield, Illinois. So I went to that gym right before I went to UFC. I went to that gym. I fought uh, – I can't even his name – from the UFC, I fought him and beat him from the show. So it was me, Brian Foster, Dustin Jacoby, Bobby Brins, you know, and then uh, Benny yeah. Alloway from the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, mm-hmm. Corey Anderson was with us. Dude, we had a hell of a crew. And then, yeah. you know, one day, you know, we, I, I get back from the UFC, walk in the gym, and he moved to Colorado and shut our gym down. You know, that was the only time I had a real gym. But, you know, I don't have a driver's license. So I was driving illegally. I bought a motorcycle with a Starburst helmet and a car. I'm driving. I'm driving a fucking hour away to go to the gym, but uh, but where I live at, there's no gyms, brother. You know, there's nothing, and it, it's fine. You know, only only you really yeah. knew in your life is you. You need you. You know, and I pushed myself because I knew where I wanted to be. But I mean, I would love to be in a big gym. I I just you know I don't have the means to have it where I'm at living right now. I mean, I wish. I mean, I don't know. 
I'm I'm in well, between listen, my crew right now. Yeah, yeah. What's I'm up? Not, listen, man. The, the you 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 got far with just yourself alone, and that alone is commendable, man. So, I, I literally I wish you nothing but the best in your career. Um, oh. I mean, what what's what's what what's the next step for you? Would you say? Dude, I mean, I don't know, man. Like I'm thinking, like I broke my finger. And I fought Juan uh, Acoleta in Vegas for King of the Cage, and I broke my finger. I broke my joint, my right ring finger joint. And they want to put a pin in my joint and told me to quit fighting. I was like, fuck that shit. So I'm fighting with a broken finger. It hurts horribly. So, I mean, I already fought two pro boxing matches and MMA fight with a broken fucking finger. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the way the way I see it is, you know, after his last fight, has lost a fucking, um, some douchebag king in the cage. For Joe Stevenson, I mean, if you're not in a big gym training, you can't keep up with fights. So, I mean, I don't know. If I don't move out of here. I mean, I don't see me fighting much longer anymore, man. It's, it's hard. The, the game's expanding and evolving so quick. I no, mean, yeah. I can't keep up it's on tough, my own, you know tough. what I'm saying? But it's I'll tell you what, tough, though. Man. If I fucking hit you or kick you, you're going to sleep. You know what I'm saying? That's one thing <laughs> that you cannot you cannot learn in, in fighting. That's yeah, you, can't, you, can't, you, can't learn, you can't learn knockout power. If you have it, you have it. Oh, you know hell, I mean? hell no. <laughs> hell no. That's why if you look at my record, like, two years ago, I had an 89% knockout ratio. I hit you go to nice. sleep. Nice, nice, nice. Cool, cool. John, you have a question for uh, Chris? Yeah, uh, Chris, thanks again for coming on our podcast, man. I appreciate you. Oh, thanks for having me, brother. So just to, to backtrack a little bit, I was just curious. Um, a lot of people have had a bad experience on the Tough House. I, I know you've mentioned previously in interviews that you didn't have the best of time out there, the camps were too short, you know, constantly having to be on weight. Was there any positives while being on top outside of maybe, you know, like getting the contract or the, the television exposure? Oh, fuck no. Are you kidding me? Shit, I was in a fucking, I was in a prison for a motherfucking three, three months. Are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, 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 I was getting almost making a thousand hours a week, though. I mean, you know, hey, that's not bad, but, but no, fuck no. Man, fucking, fuck that shit, dude. I, I mean, I, I'm a 45er, so, you know, I walked around eating pizza, hot dogs, ribs, chicken, et cetera, et cetera. At like 64, so I was probably being Andy Ogre the lightest motherfuckers in the house. But I mean, um, the coaching was impenetrable. Man, I, I can't even say like, dude, having Dominic Cruz, Eric Del Ferro, Bud Light, like, Eric Del Ferro, dude, Shannon Slack, Olympian wrestler, fucking, uh, dude, Ronda Rousey coming in, dude, it was stupid, dude. Like, but. Uh, the best experience was to me was just meeting fighters around the world and, you know, making friends to me. Dude, it was an experience and it would never happen to anybody else. You know, these motherfuckers lucky they're only getting on the show for six, eight weeks. We're there for 13 weeks, man. That shit was crazy. Yeah. Wow. Would you, would you, would you, would you do it again? What? 13 weeks? Well, just the the, exper- the ultimate fighter. Would you do the ultimate fighter? Oh, eight. Oh, happens? six weeks. Oh, hell yeah, six weeks. Eight, Thirteen weeks. Fuck no. No, never <laughs> yeah. again, man. I would never. No, hell no. It was horrible. I would never do that again. Yeah. Man. That's the grind. Hey, Adam, you have a question for uh, Mr. Tickle? Yeah. So I mean, I'm always the guy who asks about money and and fame and and all that good stuff. So I, I'm gonna ask you a question that I've asked a lot of people previously. You know. After the Ultimate Fighter and kind of meeting some top fighters in Dana White, like, do you feel like that elevated your status a little bit as a fighter and, and got you a little bit more fame? Like, what what was that experience like as far as like getting your name out there and stuff like that? 
Oh, no, no, no. Fame, fame, yes. Oh, yeah, dude, it's crazy, man. I used to go to a fucking bar restaurants, like a piss motherfuckers asking for autographs and shit, which is weird shit. But no, like money for companies, a little bit. I mean, it depends who the companies are. Like like small MMA companies, they're not going to pay you more. They'll pay a little bit more, but it's not nothing like the UFC pays. You know what I'm saying? You know, I was getting $16,000 a fight in the UFC. So, you know, it's a little different. Companies, you know, like Legacy, obviously, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they they paid me, you know, four to $6,000, you know, so... But, I mean, the fame? Are you kidding me? Shit. Dude, the shit was insane. Motherfuckers give me shit, dude. Motherfuckers like, hey, come sell my product. I'll give you $5,000. And I said, goddamn right I would. You know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, fuck, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? Girls are like, oh, my God, you're so hot. I'm like, show me your titties. You know? Come on. <laughs> come on. Real nigga. <laughs> Dude, uh, I'll tell, tell you what, if, if, Rick, if Rick James was alive right now, he'd be like, that's my son. Yo, Chris, in honor of you, brother. Yo, Chris, in honor of you, have you ever said this to a girl? Wait, hold on, I that? wish I had more hands so I could give those titties oh, yeah. four thumbs down. Oh, you're my boyfriend. No, she was crazy. I'll tell you what, dude, I see some crazy shit. I didn't even ask for it. It just happened. Like, are you critical? I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> they're like, they're like, you're yeah, hot. I'm like, your ac- I'm like, your accusations are fairly accurate. <laughs> she was crazy, brother. Whatever. I'm crazy. Right. So you, so you could say, you could say, Chris, that the ultimate fighter has definitely increased your pussy intake. Do what? I'm sorry. I said the ultimate fighter has definitely increased your pussy intake. Oh, oh, dude, fucking 24. Are you kidding me? <laughs> nice. 20, nice, 20 nice. fucking full. That's not even a question, man. Dude, I could do a fucking porno. <laughs> Listen, with a name like Chris Tickle, that Chris Tickle, Chris Tickle almost sounds like a porn name, so it works out. Dude, hey, call Dana White and ask Dana White about my last name. He'll tell you what I said to him. <laughs> Yo, Chris, okay, I know we had to cut this sh- Chris, I know we got to cut this short and everything like that. You have to get yeah, back to your hot busy day. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's cool, man. Hey, listen, uh, one last thing. Uh, by the way, I appreciate your career. I've always had you. Always been a stand-up dude, especially me, especially at Drew. Uh, do you want to shout out any sponsors, any upcoming events? It, the floor is yours, brother. What do you want to shout out? I mean, you know what? Hey, first and foremost, man, Gordon Shell, man, that motherfucker, what he's doing for dogs in fucking Michigan is fucking amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like, that dude's fucking got criminal charges against them, you know, and saving dogs. You know what? Hey, and and I hope this is all real dogs instead of women also, but, you know, I love that guy. You know, James Lee Matching, you you guys fucking knew A1 Masonary. Dude, I mean, I can, you know what? Fuck that shit. Here we go. Katie McCormick, porn industry, man, she, that girl can suck some shit. I'll tell you what. That's a joke. But no, hey, but no, for real, man, like, it doesn't matter. Number one, my fans and my family. That's it. That's fans and family means the most to me in all my career. You know, sponsors, great, fortunate, I have them. But you know, fans and family and you guys, you know, supporting you know the sport is the best thing in the fucking world. You know, without you guys, you know, we we, we would not be anybody in life. And that's the way I look at it. Yeah. You're the man, Chris. Hey, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you for taking uh, some time out of your busy night. Yo, have a good night, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, hey, you guys, you thanks for having me on, man.
Good job, brother. Happy Christmas. Thank you, Chris, man. Have a good one. <laughs> that was that was so a surprisingly it, entertaining interview. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah. Please keep uh, keep going up, Adam. What do you think? Uh, Hollywood Adam, you had to be impressed. And he Adam's like gone cool, again. He seems like a cool dude. Going, I mean, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. He seems like a cool man, fuck dude. Adam. Fuck you, bro. I mean, he seems like I've been, trying, I've been trying to get you. I've been trying to get you fired since day one. Let me tell you. Yeah, I know. I'm here. I'm here. He seems like a cool dude. I mean, he has a lot of knowledge about MMA and and, and kind of different gyms and different communities. So I, I I have a lot of respect for him, definitely. Cool man. Awesome. Awesome. So okay. So uh, let's break it down, Barney style. So we just talked about uh, Brock Lesnar. We just talked about UFC 199. Uh, past two weeks, crazy, like nuts. Unbelievable, and we start off with like last week, the, the, like a day after we did our, our, our podcast with with Doug Rose. We're on clown nine. Next day, uh, Muhammad Ali's in the hospital, and they say, okay, it's gonna be he's in stable condition, and he's always pulled out of it. He's always went on to to get out of the hospital, and he just went fine. And then all of a sudden, it turned from a mild condition to a serious condition, and then we're gonna be called down. And then 12 a.m. I'll never forget Muhammad Ali, an icon, a legend in the sport. Drops dead, and I I took it to heart because again we all four of us we grew up with Muhammad Ali always as that as that presence as that sports icon. So Brandon, especially as a fighter from of your stature, like what did what was that impression of Muhammad Ali passing to you? Man, I mean Muhammad Ali, man, he you don't, you don't think boxing without thinking Muhammad Ali, and and that guy. It, it it's definitely a tough loss for not even just the boxing community, but just the, the the fighting community. If you look at even any any you know well known MMA fighter, everyone's putting up you know respect for Muhammad Ali on their Instagram or whatever social media. And Muhammad Ali, he just wasn't a boxer. It, it's what he did outside of the ring as well. I mean, what he did inside of the ring obviously was was phenomenal. But just all around, this guy was just such an inspirational person, you know. So. Everyone wants to be like Muhammad Ali. Everyone wants to strike like Muhammad Ali. Everyone wants to have the charisma like Muhammad Ali. This guy, this guy had it all. You know what I mean? He was what what Conor McGregor is today is, is what Muhammad Ali was to box. You know what I mean? The slick talking, the backing it up in the ring, the you know, the, just the charisma, the, the swag. This this guy had it all. So, and and he stood up for what he believed in too. He was just all around. This guy was just one of those once in a lifetime type of human beings. So I mean. To lose him was was definitely a tough loss for everybody, and um, you know he he left he left such a impeccable, phenomenal legacy. So I mean, definitely definitely was horrible news for me. I, I definitely didn't like to hear Muhammad like Muhammad Ali, man. Like it's fucking Muhammad Ali. You don't there, there's some people that, like Adam Sandler or Ben Stiller. Those people to me like I can never <laughs> see them dying. You know what I mean? Like those are people who they eventually their time will come. But it's like when I hear it, I'll be like, what the fuck. I mean, Muhammad Ali was one of those people where it's just like you just don't. You, they're, they're such legends in your life that you almost feel like they're immortal. You know what I mean? Like you never expect them to die. But man, it, it was definitely a, a shitty situation. But you know, much respect to Muhammad Ali and and his family. Man, that guy, that guy, his his, his legacy is, is cemented in fighting and yeah, boxing and everything. He he's a fucking man. R.I.P. Muhammad Ali. Yeah, man. John, what do you think? Yeah, Muhammad Ali definitely like he was an icon. His legacy is immortal. Like he may be gone physically, but 
his, his legend will live on forever. I mean, he, he's a political icon, a religious icon, a fighting icon. I mean, it, it's almost like he's uncomparable. He, Brandon mentioned how you know uh, Conor McGregor is is comparable to him. Uh, you know, that might be giving Conor a little too much credit because uh, Muhammad Ali lived in a time where there was like people were discriminating against blacks, and he, he fought for his the idea of not going to war because he, he was pro-Islam. He had no issues with the the Vietnamese, and he didn't want to go out there. And you know, he, he stood for so much more. And you know, I, yeah, you I was just referring to the, the charisma and, and the back. No, no, I get it, I get it. But, you know, like, yeah, I think don't, don't try I'm, to try, I'm, I'm, I'm going over <laughs> the overall package of, of Muhammad Ali, yeah, yeah. like what, what he actually brought, you know, to, to the world outside of boxing. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a devastating loss to, to, to think about Muhammad Ali passing away. You know, selfishly, I wish he was still around, but, you know, you have to also realize he was he was suffering. You know, he, he had a disease that, that had him trapped in his own body. And, you know, hopefully he, he found peace, you know, now, you know, in passing. Yeah. John, I just want to touch upon one thing before I let Adam go. Adam, of course, is going to have some intelligent shit to drop on everybody. But, like, Muhammad Ali, too, and a lot of people were ta- talking, like, oh, he dodged a draft. Like, you got to figure, too, Muhammad Ali was also hardcore into his religion. So let's just say in a perfect world, in a world that some, of the, some, some people want him to live in, that he did go to war. And, he, again, he's not, he doesn't believe in killing. You know, he doesn't make him a coward. I don't believe in killing. You put a gun in my hand, you send me to war, guess what? My ass is going to be in a body bag because, again, I'm going to be waste, wasted space. So, and nobody wanted Muhammad Ali to, to die in war either. He just was against his religion. He, that's what people are not understanding. He just couldn't kill. And that needs to make him a coward. What makes him a, I mean, what makes him a hero actually if he stood up to the establishment? What makes him a hero if he went to Iraq and freed fifteen hostages? It's sneak. He fought for Operation Desert Storm when we bombed the fuck out of uh, Iraq. What makes him a hero is he stood up for the poor people when he literally wouldn't. Like when in in situations where he he had no place in, he made it his place and he helped out everybody. Black, white, I mean, yellow. Asian, like he was an icon, just outside of boxing in in life. Where, where, Adam, what do you think? I mean, Pat, if I could, if I could interject, I think that, uh, I think that honestly, I don't know if it's it's so much religion. I think it's just standing up to the to the powers that be. I mean, if you if you look at one of his most prolific speeches, he was like, "Why would I go to Vietnam and uh, fight fight the Vietnamese and bomb innocent people when when my enemy is right here?" And, you know, no racism, nothing, everything aside, you know, this was like the 60s, the 70s. At the time, he felt like white people were his enemies. Like, it's not the Asians, it's not Vietnam, it's, it's not anybody. So you guys are my enemies. You guys are the ones that are not giving me the right to do certain things. You guys are the ones that are holding me back. So why should I fight for you guys? And I think that's a powerful statement because even till this day, there's still a level of racism and in order for people to truly understand what Muhammad Ali means to the community, um, you know, especially people that are, are minorities and, and things like that, you really have to understand who he was as a political activist and who he was to stand up to the powers and the, and the administration on top of how excellent of, of a boxer and a promoter he was. You know what I mean? Yeah, and absolutely. And he had so many influences too. I mean, he, and, and, and he transcended so many uh, different sports, too, because he originally stated he was influenced by Gorgeous George of pro wrestling. 
So he has a little bit of Gorgeous George in him. And, like, he also – the first really huge MMA fight was him versus Antonio Noki in Japan. It was a shit show and it was not that great. But he he transcended so many different generations and so many different sports. And he was he was an icon and a legend. Like, he's – there's no words you can you – can, you can say that would sum up what he has done for people and what he has, how he's impacted people and in everybody's careers and everybody's lives. He's just, he's just a man, man. And he's usually one of those guys, I agree with Brandon, he's one of those guys you don't think would ever pass away. You know, it's like Michael Jackson. Like, he's one of those guys who are going to be around forever. Brandon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you ask me a question? Also, I, I agree. I don't think that I was I scrolling through Instagram. My bad. I don't. I don't think that we're giving him enough justice because this guy is a fucking living legend. And I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can like point at any other superstar in any other sport that was able to go to another country and and release hostages and and just stand up for his people in this country. Like this guy is bigger than just a boxer. He's bigger than than anything. Like it's just ridiculous what he was able to accomplish. And I just want to make sure that I state that. Guys, he's fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. And what was your favorite? You're, I, I want to go over a favorite you're moment. You're amazing, Adam. You're, like, you're amazing, Adam. You're beautiful, Adam. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. All right. You have those two big teeth in the front, but other than that, you're good. Yeah, yeah. Wait, speaking of which, Adam, those two front teeth got you in a Facebook relationship. Did we, did we wish congratulations to Adam? Until it's an until it's an L, you know what I mean, and an L is a loss. So, <laughs> hey, thanks we, for explaining what an L is, man. I, mean, I was lost for a second there. I feel like Potter's too white; like he doesn't know what an L is. So, <laughs> is this true, Potter? Yeah, I, I wish. Well, I kind of, honestly, low key, I kind of wish that Potter wouldn't air my personal business on the air. But I, I, mean, I, I was trying, you. I was trying to stop him, but you know, like, I respect I know. you, Potter, because I I know he means well, but. Yo, do you remember? You remember that time you and Potter were gonna get into a celebrity boxing match? <laughs> oh. Yeah, me and one time me and Potter like had a little baby issue, but we solved it pretty quickly. And I respect that guy. You know, he he does a lot of hard work, and he's about his shit. You remember that time you, you were walking in the office and you walked past and you were just like, "Yo, what the fuck are you looking at, Potter? I'll snuff you!" And then Potter Potter got in your face. And then, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, back kick. Well. Okay, guys, 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 let's, let's backtrack real quick. Let's just be realistic here. David Potter, Adam Ogan, in a cage, Big John McCarthy's referee, five-minute rounds, three of them. Who wins the fight? And what round? And in what fashion? All right, all right, all right, all right. I got this, I got this. All right, John, John, let me hear your take on this, John. All right, so Potter got the fight experience, and I think he's scrappy enough that he'll get the TKO via Dennis Fever spinning back kick to the liver. Second mm. round. Hello? I guess, I guess Hello? you got to give your take now, Brandon. Hello? 
I think honestly, I I think that that Potter would, would take the W as well, but I'm not getting knocked out for sure. No, I don't think I don't think I don't I don't think you got to knock out. I think okay, I think this is what happens. I think he takes you down in the first. He he proceeds to mount because you don't know any jujitsu, and he's gonna TKO you because you're not defending yourself intelligently. I can agree with that. You might even tap out the strikes. Yeah, you might get tapped out the strikes. Potter looks like he hits hard. I agree with that. I think that's a fair decision. <laughs> but at least your two front teeth will be straight by then. <laughs> Wait, are you saying that my front teeth are fucked up? <laughs> Wait, people are calling, are we calling? Or, we're call- or we're calling into people. What kind of shit? Where's Yo, do you hear me? Connected? Yeah, we hear you, bitch. You got... <laughs> Yo, how do you... Dude, my phone just... You literally... Wait, hold on one second. Let me fix this. Hold on one second. See, a broad talk... Uh, oh, my God. Our server is going crazy today. Holy shit. You guys hear me now? Yeah, too much. Yeah, you're kind of, you're kind of loud. Connor, man. what round do you think I'll knock you out in? That's the question. <laughs> that, that's the big round. Probably, uh, probably second. Have to, uh, right, right. Second. It feels like a second round. Second round. I got Potter. I got. I got Potter winning. Yeah, Potter. Potter all right. Well, if you guys want to bet on the underdog, bet on me. Maybe I'll get a lucky shot. You never know. Especially, I, I especially if Potter's wearing the Liddell shorts, the Iceman shorts. <laughs> yeah, there's no I way Potter loses. I can pull a Michael Bisping and, and like get a fucking TKO and walk around with the belt and shit. Looks like a carry. Or you can compare both to Bisping. Make no mistake, this is not for a belt. <laughs> Oh, Adam, Adam, Adam. Okay, back on topic. Adam, Adam wins my second round. You guys hear me now? You guys hear me good? Yeah, you're yeah, yeah, you good. You're good. You hurting my ears. Yeah, you. I got, I got headphones right on, man. You like Zordon? Oh shit. Yo, who? Okay, so I'm gonna try to. You, Yo, John, yeah, it was actually me. He's like, he's like, he's like Zordon. You heard that one? Yeah, I got it. He looks like Zordon, but with hair. <laughs> oh. Cold-blooded, guys. Cold-blooded. So, anyway, back on topic. Okay, so, I'm, I'm winning by second round knockout or submission. Whatever he prefers. But back on nobody topic, agreed, all right? So. Nobody agreed to that, but anyway, go on. No, Everyone no, said yeah. you're going to win by KO. Yeah, you're way too humble. Yeah. Stop giving, stop giving uh, Adam so much credit. Nah, come on. Okay, so back on topic. All right, so Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, favorite moment. Yo, Brian, what was your favorite moment of the icon himself? What, what like... Also, because every moment inspired one person or another. What was your favorite moment with Muhammad Ali in the ring, outside of the ring? What was your favorite moment? I would say in the ring every time he successfully rope a doped. <laughs> every time that man rope a doped, and made, I tell you this much, man. Even in sparring, whatever it is, I'm so I'm so big on you know fast twitch dodging of punches. You know what I mean? Sometimes I fuck up and I get hit, but that's because you know practice makes perfect. You gotta you know you gotta you gotta practice before you you perfect something, but. I, I always try to, I don't want to say emulate, but I, I like to be on the ropes. I like to kind of try to, you know, bob and weave and, and shuffle while dodging punches on the ropes. And that's all because of Muhammad Ali, man. The way he fought in that cage was, it inspired one of the greatest fighters in MMA, which is Anderson Silva. So, I mean, that, that speaks volumes in itself in the, the MMA community. So, I mean, everything he did outside of the ring, obviously, is, is something I look up to and I admire in a human being. But just me as a fighter, the fighter in me, I just admired how he, just how he capitalized, how he, how he analyzed the movement of his opponents and, and reacted off their reaction 
and just got out of the way of punches to kind of, you know, counter it. This guy was, was a fucking, was a genius in that ring. So, I mean, any, anytime he, anytime he stepped in that ring is my favorite moment of Muhammad Ali. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have to agree with uh, the rope-a-dope. George Foreman literally hit him with his best shot. Like, and and again, this was uh, the Rumble in the Jungle. Yeah, no, 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 This was uh, Throw Manila, Rumble in the Jungle? I'm confusing the name. However, like, yeah, yeah, he, I think, no, 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 it was uh, Joe Frazier was the Throw in Manila. But Rumble in the Jungle, when he fought George Foreman, he was a heavy underdog. George Foreman was knocking cats out, knocked out Joe Frazier. And literally, he's taking George Foreman's best punches for eight fucking rounds. Eight brutal rounds with the heaviest puncher on the planet. This was the 70s version of Mike Tyson, George Foreman. And Muhammad Ali, literally, hanging on the ropes and whispering in his ear, Is that all you got, George? Is that all you got, you big bitch? Like, so funny. And then finally turns it around. Bam, knockout. Like, crazy. Amazing. Big, big upset. John, what, what, was, what was your favorite Muhammad Ali moment? Um, moment-wise, it has to be that iconic moment where he knocks out Sonny Liston, where you just have that image of him standing over Liston's body and just, like, talking some sort of shit to him. You know he's talking shit to him as he looks at his lifeless, lifeless body. Um, but to also piggyback on what Brandon mentioned, his overall style, the way he had that movement and speed for a heavyweight, and he would just – there's, like, gifts out there of just him – you know, just showing how he would dodge every uh, punch and just do it with style, and you, you gotta admire that. And then to 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 reiterate what Brandon was saying, like he does emulate that. Style. I've sparred with him where he is against the ropes, and I'm giving him everything I got. And he'll literally go under a rope, pop out up top, and catch me with a hook, and then go right back under. So um, he definitely emulates Muhammad Ali when he can. Uh, but yeah, definitely most iconic and moment I appreciate the most is that, that the image of Muhammad Ali standing over a Sunday listed. Got it. Adam, what do you think? Well, what's your uh, favorite moment? I mean, for me, it's really hard to pick a favorite moment. I mean, most people that know about me, it's, I'm, I'm pretty political and I'm involved a lot with history and, and things like that. So, I mean, when he beat Sonny Liston, he was like 22 years old. He was a fucking baby. Like, I'm 25 right now, and I haven't accomplished half of what Ali accomplished at 22 years old. So it's just, it's fucking crazy to think about it. You know, if you if you look at the fight with him and George Foreman, I, I think, I'm pretty sure that was the one, in, that was in Africa. And first of all, you know, we see it right now. You you see that uh, Conor McGregor wants to have his fight in Crow Park and, and fucking Ireland with his people, and he's trying to do big things in the UFC. Think about how fucking huge it was in the fucking 60s or 70s. I'm sorry, I have my timeline a little mixed up. For him to say, I will fight George Foreman, but I'm fighting him in fucking Africa. Think about the fucking promotion thinking like, no, we want it in Vegas. We want it in the U.S. so everybody can see it, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, fuck this. We're going to fucking Africa, and I'm going to knock him out there. And he goes to fucking Africa. He has the whole crowd screaming Ali Bumaye, which is like, Ali, kill him. And he fucking knocks the dude out, the guy that was supposed to fucking kill him. It's just, it's amazing, and it's just, it shows that, you know, he, he's for his people. You know what I mean? Like, first and foremost, he's for his people. And I think his biggest accomplishments come outside of the ring. Like, fuck the boxing shit. What he was able to accomplish outside of the ring is just, it's just so more impressive to me. And, I don't know, I'm a huge fan. Cool, cool. And besides Muhammad Ali, and uh, I don't mean to switch gears here, but, like, uh, 
this week too. I mean, I mean, the passing of Kimbo Slice that 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 was nuts. And because he was such a young man, he apparently had heart problems. Uh, he needed to get heart surgery. And Kimbo Slice, if anybody doesn't recall, Kimbo Slice is that internet street fighter that somehow, some way, green as a blade of grass, ended up in Elite XC, and he was fighting Tank Abbott and fighting, uh, you know, some uh, Ray Mercer. He was fighting um, some top-tier names, and he was fighting uh, Josh Thompson. Well, I wouldn't say top-tier. However, he was, he was, they put the company on his back, and it was, like, one of the first broadcasts of, of MMA, like, on CBS and everything, like, he, whether we like it or not, he brought new audiences to the sport, and he appeared on The Ultimate Fighter, then fought in uh, the UFC, and then he... It, it, I don't know why it felt so fucking weird that Kimbo Slice passed. Uh, Brandon, would it feel weird for you that, like, all of a sudden Kimbo Slice dropped dead? Like, is this, is this strange to you? Or what do you think about Kimbo? Yeah, man, I was definitely taken, um, taken off guard by that. Um, man, Kimbo... I've always I've always liked Kimbo, and I've actually had had a newfound liking for him after I delved into some of his interviews. And this guy this guy is is a fucking you know there's such a, a huge misconception about all MMA fighters in general. Like if there's anyone who's not knowledgeable in MMA, they're gonna say, oh, you fight in the cage, like you're you're like a primitive human being, you're like a savage, you don't you know what I mean? Like they they associate fighting, especially in a cage with not being intelligent, which is fucking stupid to me. But um but you look at Kimbo, you look at how he how he acts to promote his fights and whatever the case may be. But if you actually watch his interviews, this guy is, is one, a family oriented, which I respect because I'm the same way, but articulate human being. This guy is a smart guy and, and that's why he's so successful because there's so many people there you even have Dada five thousand, these people who kind of have the same type of image as, as Kimbo but they didn't make it as far. You know why? Because this guy is an intelligent businessman. He's an articulate human being. He he knows what he's doing. He promotes himself the right way. To be successful in this game, if you if you look at all the guys who are successful now, Conor McGregor, all these people, they even the the the, the fighters who aren't successful or aren't as successful in terms of pay per view buys and and their purse at the end of the night, they're trying to emulate certain things now because they see the way that you're going to make the most money is by promoting yourself a, a certain way, by speaking and, and, and talking the talk and walking the walk. You know what I mean? All these guys are just walking the walk, but they're not talking the talk. We, need, we want to be interested. We want something to, to tune in for. You know what I mean? Whether we hate you or like you, like Michael Bisping said in the post-fight interview, there's nothing worse than an indifferent clap. No one wants an indifferent clap. We want you to either hate the guy tune in to hate him or tune in to watch him win. So Kimbo had that special thing that few fighters have, and, and he promoted himself, and he, and he, for the most part, he backed it up. His record, his MMA record was not horrible. I mean, you know, granted he was fighting, you know, he was, I want to say picking and choosing his fights, but he wasn't fighting the, the highest level competition. His biggest fight was Roy Nelson, which he didn't do that hard. I mean, he got dominated, but all things considered how people discredit him, he, he didn't get knocked out in one punch, you know what I mean? He his only got crucifixed and TKO'd, whatever the case, but he still was in there. He was still fighting. But Kimbo Slice, man, he, he was a, a family-oriented guy. All he wanted was to get his family out the hood, to be out the hood, and, and take care of his own, which any father would do. So, man, losing Kimbo was, I don't know, I was, I was surprisingly hurt by it. You know what I mean? Because it was so unexpected when it happened. I was just like, what the fuck? Kimbo of all people, you know what I mean? And, I, and I, after he died, yeah. I, I watched a bunch of interviews, and I was like, man, this guy... 
I mean, I already liked him prior, but after he died, I, I kind of, you know, you know, especially after someone dies, you want to look into certain things. And I was just, I spent like an hour watching videos on it and interviews on this guy, and I'm like, fuck, man, this guy was a unique, special individual, man, and it, it's definitely a big loss in the fight community. Um, it's just a shitty fight. Like, for the fight community, it was just a fucking weird week, losing Ali and losing Kimbo. It's the, the guy who, the, the dude from, I think, the Black Zillions or whatever who got hit by the car. It's just like in the fight world, a lot of, shitty things are happening, and it's just, it's very unfortunate and sad to see, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I completely agree with you, Brandon. And I, I, coming from me, I'm not, I wasn't exactly the biggest Kimbo fan. However, you know, putting things in perspective, I wish it, I, it didn't happen until after he passed, but like, putting things in perspective, Kimbo just wanted to see his family, and if people wanted to watch him do it, well, all the power to him, you know? Like, I didn't know what he was doing in mixed martial arts, because he had so much more to learn, but that doesn't negate the fact that he wasn't trying to learn. He was with the top team. He was with top people. Like, you know, all the power to him. Like, and I wish, like, I discovered those interviews with him and discovered all the good stuff about him, you know, and I discovered obviously too late. John, what was your what was your take on this whole fucking weird, random thing of, of Kimbo and MMA icon passing away? Yeah, man, I mean, I really didn't believe it at first. Um, I thought maybe it's one of those hoaxes where, you know, they say a certain celebrity is dying. There wasn't a lot of information at first. It's like, he's in the hospital. There's critical, he's in critical condition. And then when TMZ picked it up, it kind of made it a little more uh, real. And then when you hear he died, you have Ariel Hawani reporting he uh, passed away. It's like, it's a little unbelievable. It's surreal. Like, what happened? It was so abrupt. And losing Kimball, I feel like we, we truly lost a, a pioneer of the sport. He, um, He's literally the American dream. He started from fighting in a backyard, made it into the UFC. He was literally the first major star on primetime um, television fighting uh, Josh Thompson. Uh, not Josh, James Thompson, sorry. Fighting James Thompson in Elite XC, the first MMA yeah, that, card. That, that, Josh Thompson would have been a little bit of a mismatch. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He might have taken that fight. I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, he's John, John. ears out there. But, yeah, he, he's an icon. I mean, if there is ever not a UFC Hall of Fame but an MMA Hall of Fame, he d- definitely deserves to be in it. He, he's he's a major draw in the sport. He's accomplished so much. He he wasn't fighting the the top competition, you know, you know, but but from what what he did, he he's it's a it's an amazing career, and he yeah. definitely should be respected for what he accomplished and. Um, I wish the best for his son in his MMA career. I, I hear he's doing crazy things right now. He's knocking people out like his father would. And I hope for the best for him and, uh, you know, for the whole entire uh, Kevin Ferguson family. Yeah, like Brandon and his son, the chip off the old block. I saw Brandon's uh, son grappling and everything like that. It reminded me of that, yeah. too. Like, now it's, it's Kimbo's – yeah, Brandon, by the way, Brandon's son is absolutely brilliant. Not just – not just smart and intelligent boy, but like also getting into the sport of mixed martial arts and doing it the right thing with thing with Brandon helping him every step of the way. By the way, Brandon, my my candidate for father of the year. By the way, just throwing it out. So yeah, we're, we're not we're not going to be here next week, but let's uh, wish Brandon a happy Father's Day. Woo! Happy Father's happy Day, Brandon. Father's Day, Brandon. Yeah, happy Father's Day. Thank you, Brandon, guys. I appreciate man. that. Yo, you're the fucking man, you, Brandon. Brandon. And hero, a hero. But like, uh, I, I don't mind. I have to ask this because you would know this better than anybody. But did he, besides what you think about Kimbo, because obviously you're gonna have a lot to say. But like, did he even confirm like how he passed away? Because again, it was so abrupt, and I heard heart problems, I heard steroids, I heard drugs. Like, do we get an assessment of what 
exactly happened. I mean, I think he passed away from some, some type of cardiac arrest or something to do with his heart. But I think that, um, you know, Kimmo passing away, it was a it was a big moment for me because for a time I kind of resented Kimbo. I'm not gonna lie. Um, the last fight he had with with Dada Five Thousand was literally the worst fight I've ever probably seen on TV ever, and it was it it like a part of me like resented him for that. I was like, this fight is fucking awful. But then I kind of like he passes away, and you kind of take a step back and you go back to when you're like 40, 50 years old. And you're watching Kimbo fight on fucking YouTube, and you're watching him just fucking brawl and knock dudes out, and you're just kind of like, you're like Kimbo, like he he belongs to the streets, you know, like he's not an MMA guy, he's not a pop culture guy, like this is a guy that belongs to the streets, and and if in some form or capacity you grew up in a in a bad neighborhood in the streets, you you're familiar with Kimbo's work and 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 why it was like that, and why people were so down to just throw down in the middle of fucking nowhere for no fucking reason. And that's what makes you love him is that 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 street component, the same thing that makes rappers famous and, and that recklessness where he's just fucking going outside and fighting random dudes and, and putting it on YouTube. That's what made you love him. And that's the most important part about him. And that's why he's so fucking big and famous because he's literally willing to fucking fight somebody outside for free for no fucking money and put it on YouTube to get famous. No, that, well, is... I'll tell you. I'll tell you this one. Let me stop you there. It was, there was definitely money involved in each fight. There was definitely a purse involved. I mean, obviously yeah, not absolutely. as big as a UFC I mean, fight. I'm he sure. Was fight. He wasn't fighting. That's a fact, too, buddy. How much money was there involved in a in a small YouTube fight? Like, imagine his first couple of fights before they got famous. No, like, well, they 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 had they had promoters and shit like that, man. Kim, it wasn't just Kim, it wasn't just like he's like, hey, meet me in the backyard. We're gonna fight and put it on YouTube yeah. and see how it goes. Kimbo like, was definitely not fighting for free at any point in his career. Kimbo was all I'm about sure. money. He was trying to make money, trying to get himself out of uh, a shitty area. He was trying to make money for his family. Kimbo never fought for free. I disagree with I you guys. I think that I think if, if I think if he didn't fight for free, he fought for next to nothing to kind of get his name out there and put those videos out because they weren't. It wasn't a promotion putting Kimbo's fight fights up. It was Kimbo putting Kimbo fights up. Like it was no, no. There was, but there was there was management. It, it was definitely, yeah, there was definitely a promotion. Donna 5000 yeah, is promoting yeah. uh, uh, street fights. He he still does it to this day. Uh, check out the documentary Dog Fights. It goes over how he promotes uh, backyard fights in, in Florida. And at the time, before they had their beef, they were they were co-promoting with each other. They worked together. And he was definitely getting an audience to build some sort of uh, money towards fighting in the backyard. If he wasn't, maybe it wasn't a lot of money, but he was definitely fighting for some sort of money. Yeah, we're definitely making like What's four or five racks to fight. <laughs> I, I mean, but, but guys, I guys, 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 at least four or five racks to fucking sacrifice themselves out there. But I think <laughs> the most important part I think about Kimbo is that he's he's willing to go out there and sacrifice himself and and kind of put himself out there to make it. And I think that's what kind of put him above the other fighters is that he was kind of like famous for that of just being reckless and fighting random people out on the streets, you know. And Kimbo also had humble beginnings, too, because uh, if, if people don't recall this, but Kimbo Slice was also working with Bang Brothers. He was actually a fucking bouncer with Bang Brothers. And if I remember being, like, a little kid, like, and like, hey, guys, go well, watch support. I'm like, not really. That's not really fucking cool. And I, and I feel like it's like, I forget what the, 
the, the website was, but like I see Kimbo. Wait, 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 Potter, 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 you, invited, like, you invited, you invited, Potter, you invited your friends to watch porn with you? What yeah, you yeah. Which character were you in that scenario, Potter? Were you the guy inviting people or saying it's not cool? Yeah, and also, Potter, can you confirm that Kimbo's last fight was pretty terrible? Can you confirm that? I mean, yeah, technically, you know technically, I, Kimbo killed the person in his last fight, so that's pretty crazy, man. Yeah, but can we can we all just admit? I feel like everybody's being really nice to Kimbo, which they should because he passed away. But that last fight was pretty fucking terrible. I mean, if I'm gonna but be also, honest, I didn't watch it. I've only seen the highlights of like the the TKO in the fifth. I mean, was it was it even five rounds, three rounds? Uh, only three only, three rounds. I honestly only saw the ending. Um, I, I missed the fight entirely. I, I didn't hear good things about it, and uh. But he got a solid win over Ken Shamrock. Yeah, yeah, but like guys, let's let's just not negate the fact. And Adam's absolutely fucking right. And we can't, we're not gonna sugarcoat things. Like the fight with Dada was not good whatsoever. And you gotta figure also, you know, Kimbo's slice was sick. He was definitely fucking sick and needed some help. He needed surgery. And it goes back to also Adam's original also, point. I agree with him on two things. Also, but, he got popped also, with steroids for that fight as well. He got popped for steroids? Yeah, he dude, did. He did. The fight actually got reversed from a TKO victory from Kimbo to a no contest. Um, oh, he got his piss hot. They, they said, Kimbo said he's like, fuck yeah, I was taking special vitamins or something along those lines. He, he was very nonchalant about the, the circumstances of his, his negative or positive drug test. And it happened in Texas, so they kind of brushed it over. I believe it was Texas. And uh, that's why he was able to get this rematch books against James Thompson. Crazy. That that's that's absolutely nuts. I did not I did not know that. But like, you know, Kim I, I agree with Adam on so many different points with this. But you also have to figure too, like Kimball Slice had to make some money. Like Adam I, I agree with Brandon, I agree with John, I agree with fucking Adam. Like he needed to make money. So despite the fact that he needed to evolve as a mixed martial arts, he didn't have time for that. Age was on his side, time was on his side. What what age was he in the ultimate fighter? He was like fucking like what, thirty how old he was, but he was very uh, broken at the time. It was it was a hard it was hard for him to fight at the time. He was like fifty. He was old. Uh. He was a, he was yeah, he was he was an older guy. He was an older cat. Adam like he, Adam he, put, he, put on the sunglasses, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean if you watch Brendan Schaub came out with an interview today that I watched at work while I was bullshitting at him. Tend to do. Yeah, you know me. So he pretty much said, he was like, when that season of Ultimate Environment Fighter came out, Dana White was like super hyped. Dana White was like, oh, we're bringing on a new heavyweight. He's going to be the shit. Yeah, he, he, Everybody's going to be the He thought Fedor was coming out. Exactly. He was like, I, th- I, I thought it was Fedor. And then Kimball Slice comes on, and Brendan Schaub was like, man, fuck this guy. Like, he has no experience. But then he goes on to learn that Kimball Slice is an awesome guy, awesome heart, fighter. He, he- he also spoke that he said that because he was he was jealous. He was like, this guy is getting all this praise, and I want that. So it's also coming from a place of jealousy. Exactly. And but, yeah. but you know, he ended up Kimball Tyson and ended up winning him over. You know, he's he's a good guy. He has a good heart. He's a nice guy. And you know, I think that says a lot about him. Yeah, I agree. Also, I also absolutely thought agree. Was black, so take that as you will. Yeah. <laughs> True and. You know what, Kimbo Slice? 
And if I can sum it up in one thing, Kimball Slice did not have time on his side to evolve as a mixed martial arts. He had to make money. He had to fight in a place that he wasn't going to get arrested for. He needed to make a living. And he had a son, too, who obviously he raised quite right, considering his son is now killing people. And he's now killing in the game and is learning the right way. Because Kimball Slice learned the wrong way and got into the sport, and people wanted to see him and pay for him. No, that's nothing against Kimbo. That's everything against the new mixed martial arts fans, the casual mixed martial arts fans that want to see knockouts and want to see a Mike Tyson-like presence. He had that aura. He had that it factor. And Kimbo Slice, as unevolved as he was with mixed martial arts, he was evolved as an entertainer and a guy that everybody wanted to see. Can we, can we all agree on that, Brandon? Yeah, man. I mean, his legacy, although not nearly as prestigious as Muhammad Ali, not even comparable. His, his, his legacy was one in its own, you know what I mean? And and he paved the way for, for his children. And I, Yeah, he has quite a few kids. I don't know, maybe four or five or six or seven, ten, who knows. But he, he has more than one kid, obviously. But one of, it, one of his sons is, is competing in MMA now. And, and like you said, you know, he brought a certain, I don't want to say mainstream, but he brought a, a certain audience to MMA that, Without him, we would have we would have not had. So, I mean, just huge, huge condolences to, to to Kimbo and his family, man. And like I said, I was taken aback by it. He Kimbo, Kimbo to me. I, I remember me and my brother being young, like back back on Bitmus, John. We used to watch his YouTube, and the guy got punched, and his eye was coming out, and like we we looked at that like holy shit, like this is fucking cool. Like we we did our research on him back when we were we were kids, and then to see him get into the UFC and, you know, his career, his career ended in the UFC and he went on to fight in different, different organizations. It was like, for us, it was just like, you know what I mean? Like this guy, this guy came from, remember watching him and Jorge Masvidal fighting in the street and, and it's like, now he, he's doing it, you know what I mean? He's actually doing MMA and he's training at a serious camp and, and this almost to, to, to touch on what, what Chris Pickle was talking about, our guest, he, like, you could take someone with raw talent, you know what I mean? But he said himself, you know, it, it, it's hard. This guy obviously has raw talent. He has knockout power, you know what I mean? He has some quality wins under his belt. He made it to the ultimate fighter. He won fights on the, the, the tough house. This this kid's Chris Pickle has talent. But it's very difficult to ascend to the next level when you don't have people who who push you to that next level, you know what I mean? Kimbo is one of those people who, you know, although it was very late in his in his, his career and just late, just he was older, you know what I mean? He went to a serious camp and he tried to take it serious. And he got, I mean, obviously he had the push from his, his YouTube um, audience, but he, he, he made it quite far for an MMA fighter. And if you and if you look at his record right now, you know, he, he didn't have a horrible record. So th- this is, you know, Kimbo, you know, fucking Kimbo was a man. I, it was definitely a shitty loss. And, you know, yeah. much condolences to his family and, and RIP Kimbo. Yeah, I want to add a fact too that he was also seven and zero in boxing. Like the guy can, was a was a fucking warrior, and that's what it comes down to. John, like, what do you what, 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 what do you think? On um, what Brand said. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with him. I mean, Kimbo had, uh, yeah, he definitely has a phenomenal legacy. Yeah, he wasn't fighting, you know, the best of the best, but he was fighting people within his caliber. You know, you know, the Tank Abbott. Tank Abbott has an MMA record. Kimbo Weir was what maybe two and zero, one three and zero. You know, these fights that he had, you know, were to his level, and he he did his thing. You know, he fought Seth Perchazelli on what four hours' notice, six hours' notice. He lost that fight, but he still took the fight. He was a fighter's fighter, and he came in there and he tried his best. And you got to respect what he did. 
he might have been a phenomenal athlete if he came into the game earlier. Came in kind of late. He was he was, he was a, a boxing brawler. He never really got to learn the complete game of MMA, but he still tried. He went to a legit camp. He um, he did numerous MMA bouts against true mixed martial artists. And at the end of the day, he had a, a winning record, and he's still one of the biggest draws. I don't think for a live television broadcast, I'm not. I I, I might be talking out my ass here, but I'm still. I'm not sure if anybody has beaten his record for, you know, ratings. You know, he's brought in the ratings. He killed it at Bellator with uh, Ken Shamrock with their fight and and got a 5,000. He made made records. And he's going to leave a a legacy that, you know, should be, you know, his family should be proud of. And, um, you know, my condolences to his family. and I, I hope the best, again, for his son's career. His son is truly pursuing this. Hopefully he's also following his dad's footsteps and going to a legit camp. And, you know, hopefully we'll see good things from his son. I believe uh, they call him Baby Slice or Baby Kimbo. Uh, Shout out to him, and I hope for the best for him and and his family and all his kids. Same here. Adam, what's what's the last scoop? What's the last word on him? Is Adam not here? Let's just assume Adam Adam agrees with me and move forward. True, and I'm just, I'm just disconnected. It's Hollywood Adam. He comes and goes out of these places, and he's uh, Hollywood hammered right now. So no problem. You you don't let, you don't let Adam talk for a little bit. He gets upset, and then he hangs up the phone. He he might show up again later tonight. Oh wait 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 wait! Here here it comes, guys. You should be honored. Hold on one second. I'm well, back. Shout out to USA right now in the fucking Copa America. They're 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 one zero on on Ecuador right now. So hopefully we get through to the. Well, what are you talking about? What are you talking about right now? I know I'm, I'm shouting out my team, bro. I gotta shout out USA, bro. But yeah, what, back what to team? Kimbo. Team for what? For Copa America, US soccer. Oh, soccer! You're gay. Don't watch soccer. Ah, <laughs> where where are we? Europe? Get this, the fuck out of here. This is this, this is this is an MMA podcast. You're over here talking about soccer. Nah, no, 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 no. This is not an MMA podcast. This is an all sports podcast. That's about boxing, wrestling, all this, that. This, shit. this is a lifestyle podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Anyways, I ha- I had to take the time in to shout out fucking USA right now. But anyways, um, you know what? <laughs> a lot of a lot of a lot of fucking respect to to Kimbo. I mean, he's doing his he he did his thing. I should say. I'm sorry. Um, he did his thing, you know, while he was here, he made the most out of it, and he, he became a big star, man, like, regardless of, of whether we think his fight was trash or not, he, he did it, he became a fucking big star, and there's a lot of fucking great fighters that cannot do that, and at the end of the day, it is what it is, a lot of respect for him, and, and you know, hopefully his family and his son gets through on that same level. Whoa, 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 guys, hold on, I gotta, I gotta break up the fucking phone, hold on one second, you, you don't believe this shit, I'm doing right now. The bidding to buy UFC is drawing closer to a conclusion. Here are the top bidders. WME, in conjunction with Gellin Wanda Group and China Media Company, and the same people who own New England Patriots and Kraft Macaroni and Cheese, the Kraft Group. What? You fucking... Are you fucking kidding me? It's actually going to happen. They're actually thinking about buying the UFC. Yeah, I hope the mac and cheese company makes it, bro, because I fuck with their mac and cheese, so whatever. 
Let me ask you, I mean, realistically, what does this mean? What Are they selling a, a small portion? Are they selling the whole company? I mean, I don't, we don't know what any of this really entails. We don't know if it's a small percentage or maybe if they're doing a partnership. I mean, I know Dana White was talking about expanding. He was talking about if they're going to sell that at the point where they, they all want to get out of the game. Everything, the, the iron is striking hot right now. When the iron is striking hot, you stay in the game and you, you try to get the most out of it. I don't, it still doesn't make sense to me for them to sell the whole company at this point when they're just, it's like a, it's like a snowball effect. And you push a small, a small little ball of snow down a hill, it's going to gain momentum. It's going to grow and grow and grow. And right now they're going fucking 80 miles down the, the, the snow hill. So I don't, I don't see why they would sell the whole company. And no, I don't, I don't know. I hope not because I like the way the company is being run now. And I mean, who knows? Even if they do sell a company, it might not even be a big issue. We might not even notice the change. You know, maybe Dana White will still be a figurehead. You know, I just like I like the dynamics of how the UFC is being run. I like Dana White. I like how he addresses things. So I wouldn't want to see some fucking you know off-brand Japanese guy doing post you know post-fight press conference. I don't know the fuck he is. I'm I'm accustomed to what I'm accustomed to, and that's that's what I want to stay accustomed to. Yo, no, 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 Brandon, Brandon, and Brandon John, because John, I'm gonna turn this to you because you'll have a better assessment. Of this. But they're they're trying to buy fucking all of it. It's a hundred percent. They're they're literally trying to buy it, and they just got. Dana White was reached out Thursday, and he said he had no comment, and it's bidding up to three point five million dollars to four million dollars, and apparently there's investors, there's different investors, they're gonna chip in twenty five million to. We're not talking million. We're talking million. Yeah, with, with a B, with a B. Yeah, it's billion. No, no, it's not million. It's billion. Three point, three point five billion fucking dollars, and that's billion with a B. B as in boy, bitch, B billion. They are yeah. literally B like big. You're talking me like big dick Potter, right? B yeah, pretty much. B like yeah, yeah they, really big dick Potter. John, are they, you is this? Can you confirm that it's B like big dick Potter? Okay, can we get confirmation if it's like B like big dick Potter? <laughs> Let me just ask you a question yeah, Off topic real quick If you took a ruler right now to your penis Rock hard, what, what are we looking at here? Do you need a second ruler? <laughs> so it's B as in boy Billion as in 3.5 billion Billion as in what? He's like billion as in like Billion as in what? <laughs> billion B as in Bill Murray Billion B as in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. B, was, as in boy. I was actually talking about this with Max earlier, and it's, you know, UFC is a privately owned company, so if they sell it for $4 billion, it's pretty much Lorenzo and fucking Dana White and whoever the fuck the other Fertitta brother is. They're pretty much splitting that for Uncle fucking... Uncle Frank. Yeah, Uncle oh. Frank. They're, they're pretty much sp- splitting $4 billion three ways, and they're just cashing the fuck yeah. out because it's not a public company. So I mean, is the sale possible? 100% is possible. They're going to make a shit ton of money. I, I think it's possible. It's, it's Why would they do that, though? To, to, to turn down $4 billion. How do, how do you turn Why down $4 billion? Why would they do that? Because it's, it's, a cool, it's a cool billion in each of their pockets. Like, if you told me right now to sell something for a billion dollars, I'd never have to work again. My kids that's never a, have what to if, work what again. If, what if, what if, what if, exactly what if my Adam, 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 what if it's your ass? You're selling your ass for, for a billion? Take it, bro. Take my fucking asshole. A billion dollars, you can have it. 
I never have to work again. My mother never has to work again. My kids don't have to work again. My kids' kids Adam, don't Adam, I get paid again. tomorrow. How about a thousand? A thousand? A thousand? I'll probably make out with you, but not my asshole, bro. Can I at least, can I at least get an over the pants handy? Yeah, I'll do that. For a thousand? <laughs> fuck it. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable, but this is this is crazy. And Kraft macaroni and cheese wants to fucking buy the promotion. Like, but like UFC is it's the biggest promotion. Why why when the iron is hot and there's so many so much more money to make? They turn a company that was losing millions into a company now worth billions. Why cash out now? Why when Dana White said he's all about the fight business, no one else can run the UFC like the 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 folks in the UFC. Like no one knows MMA like us. And now all of a sudden you want to sell the company and cash out when your iron's hot. Like, um, would you sell the UFC for four billion dollars, knowing how much shit is involved with this, and knowing it's your pride and your passion, what you care about, what you pretty much built from the ground up? Would you really do that? Honestly, I mean, would you really sell four billion? Personally, like, I'm at a point. I'm only 25, and I'm at a point in my life where I don't want to work anymore. So if I'm Dana White and I know I'm making a billion flat. Like in my account after taxes because it's four billion after taxes there's gonna be a billion dollars in my account. Fuck you, take the UFC. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Once you have a billion dollars, it nothing fucking matters. Nothing matters but, anymore. But I'm you. sure. I'm sure if Dana White wanted to retire right now, he absolutely could. Made, yeah, he could. Te- he technically, could. all you need is like four million, and you can live off the interest. I have yeah. no doubt in my mind Dana White is making more than four million dollars a year. Of course, Dana White could retire with four million. But I'm sure he has bigger aspirations with that. And what do, what do you think he can possibly achieve staying with it? If he stays with the UFC for ten more ten more years, maybe he'll make five hundred million dollars. <laughs> if he sells it right now, he's guaranteed a billion dollars. No, but that's the thing. That's where that's where I'm 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 kind of understanding. I mean, I mean, well, not understanding because they could sell it for four billion. They're like, listen, we we bought it for so much less, and we turned this whole company around, and we're fucking we're 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 coming up with with a four billion dollar sale. But they stand to make so much more. So yeah, if he if he could stay for ten more years, but could you imagine where the UFC and the sport of MMA will be in ten more years? By the time they want to sell it then when he's like, you know what, I'm done. I want to hang up the gloves. I don't want to deal with this company anymore. They could probably sell it for ten billion, eleven billion, fifteen billion. So that's why it kinda is confusing to me because you could like, they, they're not even, they just started, you know, scratching the surface, you know, and then they just got, just got sanctioned in New York, you know what I mean? Just kind of stopped getting looked at like a free show. You know, the, the only reason MMA really got to where it's at now is because of the Ultimate Fighter 1 in 2005, Forrest Griffin, Stephen Bonner, you know, no one could forget that fight, and they just took that and they ran with it. And they stand to make so much more money on a sale in 5, 10, 15 years from now, you know what I mean? So... Four billion is great, obviously. I mean, listen, you give me one one billion, I'm I'm good to go. But they could they could make so much more money if they just keep growing the sport and 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 the company the way the way they've been doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, but maybe maybe this ensures. You can also argue that, that that the sport has plateaued a little bit. I mean, how much bigger can it actually get? Yeah, it's getting viewed as a, a mainstream sport a little more. We have the whole Reebok deal, which is questionable, you know, given the whole uniform for fighters. But, I mean, has has ratings got better? Or, or, you no, know, but look, 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 at, look, at, look at people like, like Conor McGregor. I mean, these, these guys, yeah, but he, these guys, he's they come one, of, one in a million. 
I know, but you think, all right, all right, okay, I understand that. He's one in a million. But look, it took this long to find a star like Conor McGregor, a star like Brock Lesnar. He already had a fan base. But, like, let's say Conor McGregor, you think there aren't going to be more of those kind of guys who just do things and present themselves? Especially since Conor McGregor, people are going to kind of just fucking emulate that. There's going to be so many more stars to come in the future. These kids who are 13, 14, 15 years old watching MMA, coming up on the Conor McGregor era opposed to, you know, the, the younger guys who grew up watching, watching, you know, Quace Gracie and all these guys. There's kids who are growing up right now watching Conor McGregor. So everyone wants to be like their icon. Everybody wants to be like the person they look up to. So there's going to be a new batch, a new generation, a new groom of fighters who are going to be just like that, who are going to sell themselves, market themselves, right, and they're going to be as marketable. Outside of a, a new star breaking out, what what exactly can the UFC do to get to the, this next level? What like they have this uniform, you know, they're trying to be like, you know, like the NBA or you know, like football, whatever. Like they're trying to to get that that professional look, but you know, it's not quite working. But what? Where, where else can they go? What's the next step? Like I can't. They, they, me, what they need I can't is see. They, they're already on network right, could TV. You, could you imagine? Could you imagine right now? Let me just stop it. Could you imagine? 10 to 15 fighters with the same stature of, as Conor McGregor? But we don't need outside of that because just that alone, TMZ, ESPN. Yeah, but that, 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 or, that, that, that's like, that's luck of the draw, you know, like, you, you can't manufacture that. That's like someone will come up and their personality just shines. They're, they're that next level thing. I'm talking about what the UFC in itself could do to break out to to become that mainstream sport because they're they're on the fringe. You know, you could consider them mainstream. You cannot. Not everyone understands what MMA as a sport is. They might recognize the brand, but they not they're not going to recognize the sport. I'm saying, what can the UFC in itself as a company to what can they do that they're not doing currently to actually bring them to the next level? If I could just interject really quickly on what Brandon said with with the you know imagine if there was 15 stars like Conor McGregor that doesn't happen in sports ever like you've never seen a time in wrestling or or even in boxing where there was 15 Muhammad Ali's there was or 15 Floyd Mayweather's there was it just doesn't happen for whatever reason there's usually one or two breakout stars you know for that era and and that's just it you know there's never 15 guys that are fucking all breakout stars you know so that's kind of like wishful thinking I think yeah, and there's never going to be. <laughs> no, no. No, 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 no. Brandon, 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 oh, no. Adam does have a brilliant point. So, like, let's just put it about, about it this way. Like, even with boxing, you have um, generations. Of, we'll just count the newer generations that we would know. Muhammad Ali, then the generation of Mike Tyson. Then uh, yeah, Floyd generation of, there's uh, only one Floyd Mayweather. There's only one Floyd Mayweather. There's only one money. TMZ. Then you have the like, Stone Cold Steve Austin generation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean, baby. I yeah, I see you, baby. I know, I know. So like, <laughs> you also have Stone Cold Steve Austin and in oh, WWE, God, and you also it. have. <laughs> you also see every single sport has that one guy. I think to a minute because I'm not exactly gonna jump on the Conor McGregor bandwagon anytime soon, but Conor McGregor. He is the guy of this generation. He's the guy, like, he is the marquee guy. And Ronald Rousey's out of the picture. He's definitely not going to be Misha Tate. Like, Conor McGregor is the guy. And that guy comes out one in a blue moon. You know how I know? Because in boxing, they're struggling to find the next guy in there. Like, the, the last time somebody was really talking about boxing, two times in the last few months, Muhammad Ali dying, 
and Floyd Mayweather and rumors of him fighting Conor McGregor. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, literally? So, how much... You have a good point there, too. Like, why not cash out? Well, you don't know when your next star is going to come out, so why not cash out now and let a company... Like, I was looking up this one company that wants to buy stakes. Like, this company could literally take it to the next level, and it, it could literally... Because Zufa has only been around and only established when they were buying the UFC. It was the company established to buy the UFC. Like, but this company that wants to come in and buy it has been around for years and years and years and years and years before you, uh, all four of us were born. And they had staking soccer teams in, in television channels and everything. They could bring it up to the next plateau. So wh- why not cash out now when you don't know when your next star will come? Why not uh, pass on the, all the problems and all the things and all the, the work to somebody else? Like, isn't that the, the purpose of the UFC, what the, the story of the UFC has been, the entire duration of the UFC, Brandon? What was the question? <laughs> Hasn't the story of the UFC been passed around like, uh, like you know, somebody's prom date, like literally passed around from one company, which was SEG, then Zufa, then, you know, now maybe it's time for the next person to take it over? Well, is that... No, I mean it's only it's only happened it's only happened one time. It went from one hand to another hand, and it was like a passing of the torch, and it was the best decision that could have been made for the the sport of MMA. I mean, Zufa has fucking Dana White, Lorenzo, and Frank Petita have have taken. Like I said, you can't only just say UFC because people even even to this day I fucking tell people I fight in a cage, and they're like, "Oh, you do UFC?" It's like. It's like UFC. It's like you don't think boxing without Muhammad Ali. You don't think boxing without Mike Tyson. You don't think MMA without UFC. That's just what it is. So, I mean, it's only been one little passing of the torch. I don't know how another passing would be. I mean, the reason UFC was sold in the first place was because they were going bankrupt. So they had to have to do like a last-ditch effort there. And thank God it was, you know, resurrected. But UFC right now is, is healthy. You know what I mean? It's, there's no reason to really sell it. You I mean, people really bail on a business if they if it doesn't look to be to bring in any more revenue, if it's going bankrupt or you hit your plateau. And I mean, I know my brother is speaking about, you know, MMA or UFC rather potentially reaching its plateau, but I'm sure there's things, there's business strategies, there's things that can be done, expansion to different, you know, different places. You know, UFC hasn't been to certain places in, in in the world, and I'm sure they're looking to hit certain places, you know, broaden their 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 just their overall audience and there's just so much that could be done. You know what I mean? So I don't think Zufa has reached their end game with the UFC to to pass it on to somebody else. I feel like there's so much more growing that they could do for when they do decide to sell the company, it'll be worth ten times more than what they're probably in negotiations for now. So I mean, I don't know man. Like I said, I'm just I'm hoping that Zufa stays where they're at and we keep everything the way it is because as a fan of the sport, as a practitioner of the sport, I appreciate and, and I enjoy where the UFC is at right now. John, buy or sell? If you're you're Dana White right now, would you buy it or sell it? I mean, to answer your question, I'm going to ask a question. With, like, Conor McGregor, right, he's, before this fight was signed, he was, he was looking outside the sports. He was trying to, to possibly break out into boxing. Before even the Floyd Mayweather uh, fight was talked about, he was, you know, following, like, Triple H and uh, pro wrestlers. You know, he, he was looking to leave the sport in his, you know, short retirement. They also have Ronda Rousey, who got knocked out and is just abandoned. She, she's gone ghost. We don't, we don't know if she's coming back. You know, there's rumors of her doing the New York card, but 
pretty much wrapped up in Hollywood. With with the UFC's two like pink elephants, their breakout stars, you know, you know the 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 ones who draw the most looking outside the sport. Why why exactly should Dana White and the Fertitta brothers stay with the sport when they there's you know lucrative offers outside of it? They could just pass the company along, and yeah, they they could make more, but I'm sure with whatever money they do make, they'll they'll put it in a direction to to make themselves even more money, you know. So why why exactly yeah. should they not just sell the company? They they've done phenomenal things. They they made the the UFC brand uh, a network phenomenon with signing with Fox. I'm not sure how long that deal is still uh, signed for. I believe maybe there's a year or two left. But still, they they broke out. They did a lot with the sport, and sometimes you gotta just realize when it's time to hang it up. And I'm sure there's some fatigue with them. You know, there's a lot that goes into to getting the UFC to run, and maybe they would just like to, you know, the luxury of enjoying the fruits of their labor. So why not just sell it? Yeah. Oh, oh my Adam, God. I can't think. Yeah. I feel like, I, I don't know, I don't know if I could have phrased that better myself. I, I, I like a thousand percent agree with John. I mean, you look at these guys, they're like, they're in their 40s and their 50s. You know, I'm talking about the owners, you know, Lorenzo, Frank, I, I guess, and, and Dano. These guys are in their 40s and their 50s, you know. They've had UFC for 10-plus years. Why not cash out right now, make a billion dollars, and just enjoy the rest of your life? Like, I don't – I feel like people sometimes don't really understand that the opportunity to not work anymore and just enjoy life moving forward is such a huge, lucrative, and exciting thing. And I think that – I don't know. I, I feel like John phrased it perfectly, and I agree with him a thousand percent. I mean, they've done everything they, that they've said they were going to do. They turned it into a billion-dollar company. They're going to cash out. They're going to be fucking mega millionaires, billionaires. They're going to surely invest that money and, and create more money, and they don't have to work again. Like, I I could see – I hope that, don't, that they don't sell, but I understand why they would. You know, it's just – it's a golden opportunity. You never know what's going to happen. We all, I mean, I'm in agreement in the fact that MMA is, is in its golden era and it's going to become like this huge, it's going to just get bigger, but you never know. Next year it might not be bigger. Next year it might kind of fall flat or the year after that. You never really know. And all the stars that they pushed, Sage Northcutt, he got defeated. Ronda Rousey got knocked out. Conor McGregor got choked out. You know what I mean? Like all of their big stars got defeated within this last year and or year and a half or whatever it is, I, I I think it makes sense for them to sell. I hope they don't. I'm with Brandon on that. I would like for them to still be the owners. I like the way things are going now, but I a thousand percent agree with John. It, it makes sense if they sell it. It definitely makes sense. Oh, oh, Adam, to, to, to reiterate what you were saying though, like you say, you hope they don't sell, but we don't know. Like maybe if they do sell, we'll get a better sport. Maybe fighters' pay will go up. I mean, it's it's a fear of the unknown, but. You know, I, I feel like when you say you hope they don't sell it, you, you think it's gonna drop to a negative aspect of the UFC. Maybe things will be better if they sell. That's true too. Yeah. I, I, you know what? That's a hundred percent. But I think it's like it's kind of like the fear of the unknown. Like we're kind of used to the way it is now, so we're kind of like ah, just leave it like that. But that's the kind of yeah, scary it's, part. It's comfortability. We're comfortable yeah. with how it is. But you exactly. know, maybe this will be for the best. Maybe this is what the sport needs. I mean. The UFC is is the sport. 
they represent the sport, and maybe you know, maybe you know, Dana what's what's best for the sport. He he represents the promotion. He's the the figurehead. Maybe we need someone who's a little more level headed, an emotional guy. Presents he presents himself as a everyday man, but maybe we need a more professional person in his position. Maybe we need somebody yeah, who I, will care care a little more for the fighters. Yeah, I agree with John, and maybe they'll they'll let the fucking champs walk out with their belts because that's a huge thing for me. I feel like yes. if you're the champ, importantly, you should walk out with that shit around your waist belt. or holding it up like how we used to watch our wrestlers like back in the yeah. fucking 90s. You should be able no, to no, walk oh, out yeah. with that shit. The only, the only fight I remember ever doing that is DJ Penn when he made his return to, to welterweight. That's fucking I want to see some guy walk out to the fucking octagon, just like The Rock, climb on top of the cage and just fucking like you put the belt back and like smell like the crowd and everything. I want, I want that too. Like, am I, am I yeah. nerd here? Like, uh, what <laughs> what's the deal with that? Why can't UFC fighters walk out with their belts? Like, what the? I fuck don't know. It's it's weird. You know, like I think Dan is holding on to the belt, or I don't even know. They do they? Is it is it like a fact that they get a new belt every defense? Like a new belt is made, oh. and if the the challenger doesn't win it. They just give it to the champion. I think they're allergic to parties. Yeah, because in boxing, you can your 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 team actually holds up the belts while they walk out. And you've seen it with Mayweather. He walked out like with Justin Bieber and people sing his music and everything. But his team and his crowd and his uh, his squad is actually holding up the belts. I don't know why they don't do it in UFC. That's crazy. You're so perce- perceptive. I didn't even notice that. Mind blowing. Blew my mind. So, on that note, <laughs> on that note, mind blowing, uh, mind blowing, it blew my mind. Very good. Blew my mind. It blew me, but blew my mind. We're gonna wrap shit up like a Christmas present because obviously it's getting late. Obviously we talked about everything, touched upon everything, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna final fucking thoughts, Adam. Uh, what are your final thoughts? Of course, with the uh, with everything going on, with everything that went on, with you know, plugging your social media, Adam. Final thoughts. What is your final say? I mean, I don't even know how to wrap this up. I mean, I feel like we spoke about so much. Um, one of the topics that I feel like we didn't cover, or maybe we did, and I just wasn't totally in. Um, big fight this weekend. We got Rory versus Stephen Thompson. Um, it's going to be a fucking excellent co- card. We also got our, our boy, Anthony Johnson. Um, fuck, I forgot. Anthony Sipes George. There we go. <laughs> fuck, I almost fucked that up. Oh, yeah, Anthony Sipes George is fighting on in Queens. Definitely fucked it up. Um, he's gonna be fighting out in Queens. <laughs> by, yo, by the way, Adam, you bring bring the money tomorrow for the ticket, bro. Yeah, I got you. Um, we get paid tomorrow. I got you right there on the spot. Um, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big weekend, and um, just to wrap up the show, respect to Ali, respect to Kimbo, um, and you know, let's just hope that uh, MMA has a good future going forward. And Brandon, wrap this thing up. Uh, yeah, man, you know. R.I.P. Kimbo, R.I.P. Muhammad Ali. Um, looking forward for for the fight. Roy McDonald, we didn't touch upon that. Roy McDonald versus Stephen Thompson. That's going to be a phenomenal fucking fight. I cannot. Huge. Yeah, I cannot wait. That that is the future of the welterweight division. Two young, you know, not up and coming Ferrari, but you know, Stephen Thompson is a prospect, or he just actually beat the prospect level by beating the shit out of Johnny Johnny Hendricks. But that fight, that's a toss up right there. I mean, I don't know who's going to win that fight. Whoever wins is, I don't even care, man. I just want a good fight. Um, but, yeah, man, um, this weekend, actually Saturday, Anthony Snipes George, Ronnie Rodriguez, two fighters out of my camp, Brooklyn Mixed Martial Arts, are going to be stepping in the cage in Queens, Amazero Club. 
If you're in the area, purchase your tickets, come through, show some love, support your local fighters. Um, shout out to BKMA. Shout out to my son for graduating, getting into the first grade. He's the man. Yeah. Best thing in my life. The best yeah. thing in my life. And um, shout out, shout out to the podcast, man. And welcome to my brother Jonathan Okio, who um, you know, this is his introduction to the podcast. He did very well. If he was a uh, um, uh, an ongoing member to the podcast, I definitely wouldn't be disappointed. He added a lot, and um, Hell he yeah. has some more successful podcasts in the future. Hell yeah, we need to have John more often, or have his own podcast, or him. We gotta make it like five fucking hosts because John did a phenomenal. First podcast on the spot, like, this guy can do it all. Like, John, you wrote a begging article, which literally, guys, uh, I can, I'm can. i going to show you guys the hit tomorrow. It for, for views on any article, John's was the most. So, like, John fucking broke my website, broke the internet. John, you, you killed it your first podcast. But final thoughts to you, Mr. Talent. What's your final thoughts? Um, first of all, I want to just thank you guys for having me. I know I'm a, a late replacement, but I'm happy you thought of me to, to jump on board. Appreciate you guys for just throwing me into the podcast. Thank you, Potter, for letting me uh, write on your website and produce, you know, some sort of decent work. You say it was the, it broke some sort of record, you know. And, you know, next time I want, I want to do better. I wasn't too thrilled with what I wrote, but you know, I was just breaking the ice. Um, shout out to, to my nephew, man. I'm happy. I couldn't be prouder of him for graduating today, you know, He's doing his thing. He's going to be a special person in this world, and uh, I can't wait to see what he has in store for us all. Shout out to my my girl Katie. She supports me in all things I do, and constantly holds me down. You know, holds it down, not holds me down. <laughs> and um, yeah, rest in peace, Kimbo. Rest in peace, Muhammad Ali, and uh, to all those affected in what happened in Orlando. You know, it's crazy out there. It's not going uh, alligators. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you can't not bring that up. It's crazy what's going on out there. It's you know, it's just it's just wild, man. So you gotta gotta pay some sort of respect towards those suffering and going through it all out there. Um, as for the the card this Saturday, I definitely got Thompson the victory, but, you know, I don't want to see Rory lose again. I, I, again, I don't want to see Rory lose because it, it sucks to lose through the road. He's about to hit free agency, and that'll definitely hurt his, his cause. I mean, I'm sure he'll still be valuable to an uh, organization like Bellator if he does lose, but, you know, I, I definitely want to see him optimize his, his valuability. Um, it's going to be a dope card. Um, also, if you're, you're in the local area, check out Anthony, George, and Ronnie, we're going to put on a stellar performance as BKMMA always does. And if you come out to Queens, come come watch these fights, man. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, for the podcast, our, my, the co-host, uh, Brandon, gotta love Brandon, BKMMA, undefeated, always support BKMMA, always support Brandon, oh, always support out, his son. Lewis. It was his birthday yesterday, Lewis. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Wait, who's Lewis? Shout out, shout out, Steve Rivera. It's his birthday this weekend. Lewis and Steve Rivera. Oh, Steve. Yo, shout out, shout out, Cruz Steve. That's my dude. Shout out, Cruz yeah. Steve. He's my Muay, <laughs> my Muay, my Muay Thai coach. He's the man. Shout out, Terry Gold. You know, you got to shout, shout out, out BKMMA. Nikki, that's my nigga. Yeah. Shout out to Aldo holding it down and keeping BKMMA structured and. 
always the dopest place to train when he he's around. Shout out Hell Ron yeah. Bronson. That's my boy. Yeah, shout out, <laughs> shout out, um, shout out Ryan Walker, my best friend in Parkway Day Camp when I was like ten years old. Shout out Tim Timothy Hendricks. He made one point seven million today at work. Shout out Tim Hendricks. Okay. Yeah. Yo, all right, Daniel Joseph. RIP Daniel Joseph. Oh fuck. Shout out shout to unemployment. Out, shout out to David Potter's five homies that work at the job that we don't know their names, but he just hires bad <laughs> niggas. Yeah, shout out Scotty. Shout out Ryder. Well, who else you got up there? Can you know, shout, out to, shout out the sixth floor, man. I miss you guys on the sixth floor. <laughs> shout out, shout no, out I, to with the neck tattoo that just recently got hired that everybody's wondering <laughs> how he got hired. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait, wait. You know, you know right. what we're talking about. That kid, he got glasses and a neck tattoo. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> Shout out Rudy James for being a G, Rudy James. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, shout out to everybody that is a telemarketer with a God complex. Shout out to no, all of you. David Potter, David Potter, you don't get to do shout out. You got a little carried away, bro. Yo, shout out to David Potter's giant dick. <laughs> shout out. Yo, yo, wait, wait, wait. Can we can we just like cry a little bit right now? Like the Seals or Daniel Joseph? Because I fucking miss them already. Like, yeah, I, I was yo, really sad about that. You haven't, you haven't, you haven't seen Daniel Joseph in seven months. What do you mean you miss him, David? Yeah, you don't even, yeah, you're not even sure which black guy is Daniel Joseph. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yo, shout out. Shout out. Speaking about shout black guys, shout out to the fat gay Lance man. R.I.P. to Orlando, bro. Oh, man. Uh, you brought it down, oh, man. Why'd you bring it back there? Shout out fat gay Lance. Congratulations! You are bags! Whoa. Shout out fat gay Lance. That was a bit aggressive. Fly Guy Land. Shout out. <laughs> yo, shout out. Yo, I'm crying Ed. right now. Yo, Ed from, Ed, Ed from the office deserves a shout out. He must be one of the nicest guys I've ever met. You guys got to come to the office and meet Ed. He's, anytime you say hi to me, he's like, hey, he's like what's a up, really man? Nice with a smile. Yeah, he's, he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. But, um, all right. So, now that we can shout out. I'm not done. I'm not done. We got a couple more. Continue. Got those people uh, out. Justin Shalansky, he's always got a date on Tinder. Shout out Justin Shalansky. <laughs> <laughs> so, so shout out, shout out, shout out, Joel Vasquez. That's my nigga from way back. Helps me in yeah. my fight. Best friend, you know. Big ass dick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what, man? You know what's crazy? All right, you want, Joel had my 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 roommate slash best friend slash training partner slash nutritionist slash person who helped me cut weight for my fight. He he has one of the biggest dicks I've ever seen. In my life. <laughs> so I think, and you've met him too. You met him too, David. He he's the pizza yeah. guy. He dressed in the pizza suit when you guys went paintballing. Yeah, the guy's a shit. Yeah. He's the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's the fucking man. His dick is ginormous. So I think on one of our shows we have to do like a David Potter big, versus Joel Vasquez dick off. Yeah, 
No, you can't forget about John Morales, but yo. Oh, John, <laughs> yeah, John Morales. Nah, but shout that, out that, to, that's, shout that's out not, to Ina for taking that dick. Yeah, but that's not fair to have John Morales because John Morales has giantism or some disease. So his dick is like, it's like on steroids. He's like on TRT. It don't count. Yeah, that shit. Very true. Very true. I think we can watch that one for a little bit. Adam, you have another shout out to you. Adam, you got a shout out? That's that's another one of my best friends. Um, He's cool. Yo, shout out to everybody. Yeah, man. Everyone deserves a shout out. Yo, shout out to Eric, Eric Dorfman for fucking this <laughs> bitch. Yo, shout out to this nigga who sits by the door. I think his name is Napoleon or some shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shout out to, to, what's his name? Tim Nigro. <laughs> Yo, shout, shout out to, to uh, Michael Corona. Michael Corona. Wait, wait, fuck Yo, you guys. Michael, Michael Corona. Corona shout out Michael Corona. With Yo, the Michael Corona, Michael Corona, baby. Shout out, shout, shout out to Magic. Who's that? Ooh, ooh. I was last. Put the glasses on. Then. Yo, you know what? <laughs> Big shout out, shout, shout out to Bosch too. Bosch is the man. He's gone. Oh, Bosch, Bosch. Bosch doing his thing, man. Shout out to Bosch yeah. over at Progressive now, man. Killing it. Yeah. Yo, the Bosch man, Randy Savage, baby. Bosch man. <laughs> Bosch, miss him. <laughs> that was good. I like that. <laughs> that was yeah. good. Oh, you know what? <laughs> Potter, you got a shout out. Do do it. Who do you want to shout out, Potter? Um, I want to shout out my mother. She's a very nice lady. You know, she's, you know, I came out of her room, and ever since then, I just loved her. I have no idea why, but like, shout out to my mother. Uh, shout out to shout my out, Mrs. Oh, my shout out Mrs. Potter. Potter. Shout out Mrs. Potter. Yo, shout, shout out to Fat Gay. Shout out to Fat Gay Leon. <laughs> <laughs> Rock, rocking the dad jeans every day with the vest, like the Jurassic Park vest. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. We're shouting out fucking people. Wait for the last ten minutes that nobody probably knows and nobody listening. They're like, "What the fuck are why are they shouting them up?" But like, regardless. Oh, well, 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 one last one. One last one. Shout out to Max for no showing for giving me this opportunity to take his spot. Uh, sure. Max, enjoy not being on a podcast anymore. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, Max, Max, Max might, Max might have lost a job depending on how many viewers we get this one. But um, oh, whoa, 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 hold on, wait, hold on the phone. We can't talk about Max. Ah! All right, I'm come on, you can't talk back on that. True. Well, Adam, thank you very much. Adam, Brennan, John, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for uh, being co-hosts, being awesome. Yeah, you know, David way. Potter, David Potter, much love always, man. All jokes aside, mm-hmm. thank you for having us. This podcast is phenomenal every time. Everyone, follow me on Instagram. That's mega underscore bkmma. That's M as in Mary E G A underscore bkmma. Follow me. Follow my journey. And yeah, peace. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Peace. Hey, John, thank you so much for coming on. John, you'll be writing plenty of blogs. Best guy on the planet. Thanks so much, John. Thank, thank you again for having me, guys. In all seriousness, like I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show, and uh, I hope this is my uh, last time, you know, and I'll have something written for you in the coming days. Take care, guys. Oh, yeah, man. I'm looking to, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Thank you so much. Hey, Adam, always a fucking pleasure. Hollywood Adam. Always hilarious, always impeccable with his thoughts and conveying them. Hey, Adam, thank you so much, brother. You're the fucking man. Thank you, man. Um, 
I just want to shout out to the victims of Orlando and just keep it real out there. Hell yeah. All right, guys, have a good night. Brenham, Adam, and John. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us for the fucking podcast. Obviously, we're shouting out people that you probably haven't heard of, but it's people that we work with. And, you know, big shout out to them. And if you're listening, everyone's been giving shout outs at the, at the fucking office about the podcast. We want to give a shout out to them. Really cool cats. Gotta love them. Um, and I want to add a, uh, a note that we touched upon just a little bit, but, um, you know, a lot of things, bad things happen in Orlando, a lot of terrible things. And I want to give my condolences to all the family members. One of, speaking of the folks in our office, one of the folks, that we work with, good kid, good guy, actually had to fly out right to Florida to uh, visit some of his friends that passed and visit their families. And, you know, it, it's just, it's such a scary world. It's such a tragic world and some, you know, it's, it's some crazy shit this last two weeks, you know? It's, it's really mind-blowing how this played out. And it all could have been prevented, and sometimes you can't look back. You just have to look forward. And I hope this never happens again. So I just want to give a... My heartfelt condolences. I hope we made you laugh. I hope we we talked some shit about MMA and you learned something. And thank you for Chris Tickle for coming on. And I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope we made you laugh. I hope we took your mind off of shit for two hours. And that's all we want to do because, you know, we, we appreciate you guys all. And we appreciate you guys for listening to the show and always and listening to us on iTunes and DreamLeapPro.com. And shout out to our sponsor. Shout out to everybody that's been following us for the last few episodes. We'll have a great guest on next week. In two weeks, actually, and uh, we look forward to talking to you. Until then, stay safe out there. Uh, moment of silence uh, for the victims of Florida, Orlando, Florida. Um, our prayers are with you, and uh, you know, God bless them all, and God bless us all. You know, have a good two weeks, guys. We'll catch you up on the flip side. Dream Elite Radio. Dream Elite Radio.